Hey everybody, welcome to the party. This is Caleb here with my co-host as always, Jacob. Hey everybody. This is your favorite podcast, breaking down your favorite movies. We uh, are discussing The Dark Knight Rises today, very interesting. We, he has uh, risen. He has risen. Oh, and it's Easter, oh my gosh. And 420, and Pesach. For all of our tribe member friends out there. Yes, yeah, so many so many things going on. But, um, yeah, this is Watch Party. We, uh, we have our opinions, we have our tidbits, we have our trivia, we have it all, but we want to hear from you. So we have a hotline for you to call, 802-35-PARTY. Give us your takes on whatever movie we're discussing. We don't actually have any hotline calls today, unfortunately. Yeah, but, they um, all dialed 420. Yeah, what? They're all just too high to call. They they forgot how to work a phone. It was uh, they called eight hundred two four two zero party, and that got our. Uh... They didn't get our voicemail. They got something else. They, they got uh they got pot or oh, a podcast. Oh come on! All right, a podcast. Oh my god, so clever. Anyway, this yeah. is watch party. As I've said like three times already, we also have an Instagram at watchparty underscore pod. So if a voicemail is not your thing, you can shoot us a DM there with it, with whatever thoughts you have. We're, uh, Just some phone nervousness. Yeah, really... yeah. You don't want to hear your voice on air or something? We'd love to hear from you any any way we can. So um, give us a ring. Give us a... What would you yeah, call it? Yeah, on MySpace. Or... Yeah, give us a type. Give us a Ooh, type. Oh, a telegram. Oh, or, yeah. Uh, I don't know Morse code, carrier. though, so... Well, you just get the telegram itself. You know, I guess we don't really... Oh, I guess we... Well, wouldn't somebody have to, like, translate it? Yeah, it's just uh, click, 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 click. That's SOS. All right. That's SOS. <laughs> Moving on. We're, we're discussing The Dark Knight Rises today, which I'll have to say I is the movie I've seen the least in the trilogy... I'd probably seen it maybe two times before the rewatch just now, and um, I like it more than I think I remembered liking it. So yeah, I'll even say the same thing. It's like definitely one I'm least familiar with, but uh, this time through, it really, really kept me engaged. No, oh, yeah, it was it was very enjoyable. I was uh, I was thoroughly enjoyed. It was riveting. Indeed, I'd say it's my favorite of the trilogy. Oh wow! Like, Bold statement. Oh, yeah. Just right off the bat, I just figured I'd clarify, like, clear the air before we move forward. <laughs> Usually, definitely. I'll... Go ahead. Yeah. No, I'd say definitely a fave. The fave, like, it's you know, it's no, great. Usually, I say the Dark Knight is my favorite. Batman Begins is number two, and then it's the Dark Knight Rises. But I don't know. <laughs> this rewatch might have me uh, shifting. Uh, Batman Begins and the Dark Knight Rises. I don't, it's 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 a. Uh... It's got a, there's a strong case for me to switch. Yeah, for real, it brings the whole thing together and like how uh, it just brings it in like it has a flashback to ba- Batman Begins. Right. It's just really great and like it's like not an early two thousands movie anymore. So like kind of loses that like like cheeky like kitschy style of things and it just really it's definitely it's like I don't know it's just definitely the best movie. I don't know like like favorite wise like. Dark Knight always has a place in my heart, but like I don't know, like this might be the best one of the trilogy. All right, strong case from Jacob. Let us know what you uh, think about it. 
send us your thoughts in the in the voicemail or or the Instagram. We'd love to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, I have my pigeon carrier ready to go. So if anyone needs uh, needs it, the communication is open. Well, there we go. So, <laughs> so, like I said, this is the Dark Knight Rises, of course, directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Christopher and Jonathan Nolan once again. They also wrote the uh, the Dark Knight. And I'm did they write start... Batman Begins together? They did not. That was Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer. Ooh, fallout between them. I wonder what happened. Well, no, no, no. David S. Goyer still stays on with the story aspects, but the actual screenplay writing shifted from him and Christopher to Christopher and Jonathan. So mm, Nepotism. Love to see it. Maybe. And I, I, I've also decided I'm going to start saying release dates. So this was released July 20th, 2012. Ooh, wow. They all feel so recent. They all feel so contemporary. Especially yes. this one from watching it. Right. Just the body changes too, so it's like, it feels like really recent. But Indubitably. <laughs> all right. So, before we get started, I found this little trivia piece, and I'm going to share it. Maybe we can uh, see how it plays throughout the movie as we go through the synopsis. But uh, Christopher Nolan said that this movie's theme deals with pain. He said, for Batman Begins, it was fear, and the Dark Knight, it was chaos. And we can definitely see the chaos and the fear in the first two. So I want to see if we can uh, we can point to the places where we see the pain in this one. Obviously, there's the, the physical pain where he gets his back broken. But uh, let's see if there's any more, like, um, what's the word? Subtle, subtle pains, uh, figurative pains, stuff like that. Uh, there's a lot of pamphlets, a lot of pamphlet writing. Uh, Thomas Paine, Common Sense, very okay. political movie. Wow, wow. Revolution. Very intelligent joke. Mm, it's for all, all you... Uh, History buffs out there. Yeah. Oh, oh blimey. Anyway. All right, so <laughs> without further ado, let us dive right in. So we start with Commissioner Gordon delivering a eulogy for Harvey Dent at the end of The Dark Knight. He talks about how, I knew Harvey Dent, I was his friend, and it will be a very long time before someone inspires us the way he did. I believed in Harvey Dent, that that uh, that campaign slogan we had from, from The Dark Knight. Yeah, believed. He believed. It doesn't feel like eight years. Like It feels very immediate. Well, you the, know be- I mean? the, that beginning part, is immediate. That's not the eight years later. The eight oh, years. okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, what a weird memorial. It's like <laughs> eight years, you know, the eight-year anniversary. Always. We couldn't like... wait two more years for the ten-year. Yeah. We got to get it on the eighth. No, no, yeah. That's that's right. At, that's the uh, the end of the Dark Knight. It's the same, same, same spot. You know what I mean? Good shit. What is the Dent Act? The Dent Act was the act that um, allowed all those criminals to uh, to be put in jail. Um, let's actually uh, look at. Why don't you look it up while I go through the synopsis, and then when you find it, just stop me. How about that? Okay. All right. So, eight years later. We see a van driving across a field. It's got Russian soldiers in it. They're transporting this nuclear phys- uh, nuclear scientist named Dr. Leon- Leonid Pavel. Okay, tio, sit- tio, tio. Yeah. Sitting in the back seats are three prisoners who are handcuffed, hooded, and have rifles trained on them. The van arrives at the airfield where it meets the jet occupied by a CIA agent, 
Bill Wilson, a.k.a. Peter Littlefinger Baelish. And there's some uh, special ops soldiers That's there. why he looks so familiar. Yes, he's Littlefinger. Also, the uh, the band manager in Bohemian Rhapsody, if you've seen that recently. Or a more obscure reference, Shanghai Knights. Owen Wilson. That's where I first saw him. You, odd. Yes, that's great. Shanghai Nights, for real. That was the first movie I remember seeing him in as well. Or the me first too, anything. me too. He was great. That's a good flick. He was. Well, that he was. It was good. So, we get Apparently there. Apparently, the Dent Act... Oh, you got the Dent Act? It just says... It was a law that was so effective that it wiped out organized crime by locking up all 1,000 criminals in Gotham City for eight years after the Joker's reign. Maybe we never get like a uh, an actual an actual Apparently, like the uh, main feature denied parole to dense prosecution locked up. Thus, all 549 mobsters dent locked up would be off the streets for good. He did not. Wow, this is like that's that crazy. That doesn't sound legal. No, it doesn't. Harvey <laughs> Dent is a true hero. Fifteen for those. Yeah, they, it's just like this generic crime-solving thing. They were just like, yeah, it just solved the problem. That's what they needed, a new law. It's, pro- it's probably just like in the wake of his death, they were just like, all right, in honor of him, everybody he locked up, they just they just got to stay there. They can't get out. You're welcome. Yeah, crazy. Love. Now we see why Bane is communist. Also, fan theory, my own, uh, Bane's a communist. Uh-huh. He loves communism, and you can see that in his movie. All right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we get to the airfield with Littlefinger, <laughs> and... Uh, we learn that the the doc has cut a deal with the CIA. Uh, the CIA agent refuses to let the hooded prisoners come on his aircraft, but then he's told by the truck driver, whose name is Bersad, that they are mercenaries who work for the masked man. And he takes it that the masked man is Bane, who's an infamous terrorist, and he brings them on board. Okay. So, during the flight, Littlefinger starts interrogating the prisoners for information about Bane. He has one prisoner, and he's holding him out the, the, the cargo door, and he's demanding answers. Who paid for them to kidnap this doctor? And when he refuses... I like, he, yeah. Yeah. When he refuses... I like how he just shoots a gun next to his head, like, just trying to scare him. Right, like that, right. Like a plane engine right next to his ear. <laughs> well, I don't think he's trying to scare him. I think he's trying to make the other prisoners think that he shot him and then threw him out of the plane. But it was just so close to, like, the hanging out prisoner's face and I was like is that but yeah that makes a lot more sense but I just seemed from visually I was like are you trying to like scare him like with the noise of the gun right while you're next to a plane engine I was like okay. tell me what you know bang what I can't hear you alright so he he shoots the, the pistol next to his head he takes a second prisoner over to the door and he does the same thing he asks him these questions and uh he asks him why Bane wears the mask, and then he does. The guy doesn't answer, and uh, he says, "You're you're awfully loyal for a hired gun." And then this is where the third hooded prisoner, who sounds like he's talking through some kind of voice thing, uh, suggests that he's wondering why somebody would shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane. 
Yes. So then Littlefinger signals for one of the soldiers to seal the door and ask this prisoner for his name. And then the man says that it doesn't matter what his name is or who he is, uh, but it's their plan that matters. So as the man admits that no one cared who I was until I put on the mask, Littlefinger takes his hood off, revealing a bald, muscular brute wearing an intimidating breathing apparatus over his mouth. It's Tom Hardy playing Bane. And yes, yet again, you never see Tom Hardy's face in a Chris Nolan movie. What's What's the other one? In, um, oh, what is it? Dunkirk. He just wears that thing over his mouth while he's in the plane the whole movie. Oh, I haven't, I actually haven't seen Dunkirk yet. Oh, it's good. Also, I I was watching like a streamed version of this. Was Bane's mic like vastly, like louder than everyone else's in the scene when you listen to it? It was, and I will tell you why. Ooh. It is because... Christopher Nolan, this whole prologue thing here with Bane and all that, mm-hmm. it was released early. I can't remember during, I, th- I think it was like during a movie or something. It might have been on the, the DVD for The Dark Knight, but somehow like it was like a preview that was released early and people saw it and the Bane voice, like, I guess they just used what was on set with him in the mask and people complained that it was, like, too muffled and they couldn't understand what he was saying and all this other stuff. So Tom Hardy had to go back and re-record all his stuff. So every, mm. everything you hear Bane say is, like, dubbed over from from uh, what you were... So they, they must have, like, made it clear and then pumped the mic up so that people could actually hear what he was saying. Oh, wow, interesting. Yeah. And they timed it up perfectly. It looked like... Like his lip movements, mm-hmm. couldn't even. <laughs> yeah, you could see his lips real well. They like worked <coughs> in sync. Yeah, simpatico. <coughs> All right. So uh, Littlefinger asks Bane if he'll die if he takes off the mask, and then Bane says it would be uh, extremely painful for you. It's a great line. Ah. I liked it because he says it would be rude. extremely painful, and he says you're a big guy, and he's like for you, it's lovely. I love it. I like Bane. Bane's Bane's a great villain. Yeah, I love his like South African accent he's got going on. It's actually a, a gypsy Romanian accent, or I guess but it would be Romanian gypsy. That's what confuses me. Go is, on. I guess we can go more into detail when we get there. Mm-hmm. Wasn't all the training in loose China? Uh. We'll talk about this at the end. Don't forget about yeah. it. Put a yeah. pin in it. Okay. When we get to the like the backstory part, we'll talk about it. All right. Cool. All right. So uh, Littlefinger asked him. He said it'd be painful. Then Littlefinger congratulates Bane for getting himself caught and asks what the next step of his master plan is. And Bane says, crashing the plane that they're on right now with no survivors. On cue, <laughs> a team of henchmen, they connect to the plane from a bigger plane and they like fucking take the back end of the tail off and they climb down in there. They shoot some of the CIA agents. Bane breaks his handcuffs. He punches little finger. The henchmen attach these cables to the plane with hooks behind the wings. They plant bombs in the fuselage. The plane begins to nosedive. The stress tears the wings off. It's fucking anarchy. Two henchmen then climb up and set off charges to blow off the tail. I already said that. One soldier draws his pistol and manages to get off one round before he is shot dead by a mercenary descending into the plane. 
The mercenary is lower in a body bag containing the corpse of a man who looks like the doctor. And Bane grabs the doctor. He uh, pulls this tube out. He puts needle in him. He starts... Uh, no, no, no. There is no needle. I watched this very closely because I said to myself, that uh-huh. looks weird. It literally just looks like he shoves a tube up his sleeve and then blood starts coming out. <laughs> well, like, there's no needle. It's literally just, like, I looked at it. It's just a tube. He sticks it. I'm like, oh, my God. That feels so painful. <laughs> he just... Blunt tube stabs it into his arm. That's how strong. Yeah, that that's like, how strong Jesus. Bane is. Oh, I'm sure. Dude, that I mean, searing pain. Could you imagine just a tube <laughs> breaking skin directly and, and rupture the vein? No, it it would be horrible. Dead. But uh, yeah. Oh, so he puts the the non needle having tube in his arm, <laughs> and he, one of his other henchmen is like doing compressions on this this dead body, which. I was I was curious if if that would actually get blood like kind of pumping through. I mean, I guess it makes sense logically. I don't I don't I just don't know if it would if it would actually. Oh, work. I didn't put that together. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to get the the blood flow going, so that uh, Doctor Pavel's blood would be in the corpse. So they're uh-huh. doing. Yeah. So they're doing the blood transfer. And uh, Bane sees one of the one of the other comrades trying to. I'm gonna start calling them comrades because you said he was communist. Yes. So he sees one of the other comrades uh, trying Comrade. to escape, and he says, "No, no, 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 no. They they expect one of us in the in the wreckage, brother." And then the man <laughs> asks Bane if they started the fire, and he says, "Yes, the fire rises." And then Bane attaches the harness to himself and the doctor and tells the doctor that the time for panic will come later. He sets off a detonator, which releases the fuselage. Bane and the doctor are just, like, hanging there by the the attached rope to the bigger plane, and the rest of the plane just falls to the ground and crashes. No, you don't hear an explosion. You don't. I was really unsatisfied. You you wanted to hear that explosion? Because he, like, used all this build-up and was like, it's... The plane crash, the crash, the crash, the crash, and then it just flies away, and you don't hear a nice little like thud. You don't hear a nice little explosion to like kind of like button it. Mm-hmm. Really, it twinged in me. I was like, oh, I feel like just cheated. But oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. Me too. What a shitty apology. I love when people apologize and like, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> like, motherfucker, <laughs> damn. I know a different sense here, but like, you, that made me upset. I'm sorry. You're you're Thank legitimately you. upset? No, no, no. But I'm saying like in other scenarios, like, well, you did really upset me. Oh, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Okay. Like, that's not an apology, you son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Yes. All right. But I was thinking this, this part where he's like, no, they expect one of us in the wreckage. And like that guy's like willing to like die for this cause. It reminds me a lot of like extreme extremist is islamic extremist that's that's the word i'm looking for like like terrorists like isis yeah, and, and stuff. like did you, um, did you get that uh, well, kamikaze divers yeah, yeah 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 japanese kamikazes it's just like they're so like invested in this in this idea or this whatever that they're willing to to die for it's just crazy but you could definitely tell that guy was caught a little bit off guard. He was like ready to roll. He was the one asking about going, and he was like, "One of us must stay, brother." No, yeah, he was definitely ready to go. And then Bane says that, and he's like, 
all right, but we, we, we started the fire, yeah? And he's like, yeah, yeah, of course, it rises. He's like, all right. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world was turning, Batman. <laughs> that was great. <clears throat> yeah, I've been working on that all week. Uh, all week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, awesome. uh, you know, all my life. All right. Anyway, we go to Gotham. <laughs> And it's the eighth anniversary of Harvey Dent's death, and it's being celebrated as Dent Day. We're at a, a charity event at Wayne Manor, hosted by Bruce Wayne, who's always absent. He's never there. And uh, Gordon is getting ready to deliver this speech, revealing the truth about Dent and the murders and how Batman took the fall eight years ago. And he's going to resign as commissioner after telling the truth. But then he decides that the time's not right. He's having these flashbacks of Dent holding his son. The flashback cutting is, mm-hmm. is, is, is it's beautiful. It's very great. Like, just yeah, these little flashes. Superb, truly. Because you just get those, like, like visceral images. Right. Harvey Dent. Mm. Scary. Yes. So we get those flashes of, like, Dent holding his son hostage and all that. And the, he's like, the time's not right. He stuffs his speech back into his pocket. He gives this little, like, half-hearted other speech about whatever. And uh, his deputy commissioner, Peter Foley, uh, talks to city's, city congressman Byron Gilly, who informs him that with the drop in crime, Gordon is a wartime hero, and they're in peacetime. So the mayor is going to dump him in the spring. Sad. He's about to get fired. Good. Yeah, after his wife already dumped him. Yeah, yeah. We learned that his wife took the kids and, like, went, where did she go? Like... Cleveland. We'll say Iowa. She went to Cleveland. All right, she went to Cleveland. Um, but yeah, that's that's so sad. Um, and yeah. it's just—I feel like it's just kind of like a throwaway line. It's just like, oh yeah, his wife took the kids, and they're like somewhere else. But I think it's because he won't bring Harvey to justice. Oh yeah. The- oh yes, because the wife was there. She knows. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. I totally didn't. I did not connect those two. That's good. Yeah. So she knows the truth. She knows he's lying. She can't handle it. She's like, all right, I, I need to get out of here. That's why we do the podcast. Or it could be like witness protection, but like no one else was really there. No, so I, I like your first theory better. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. All right. So then we get introduced to uh, Miranda Tate, Marion Cotillard, who <gasps> I, I, I'm not a huge fan of hers. She's grown on me more and more. But I just remember not liking her. Like, I haven't seen her in anything recently, but, like, back when she was, like, a big thing, like, for those, like, couple years, she was, like, in every movie, it felt like. I wasn't the biggest fan for some reason, but, I mean, she's all right. I've, I've grown. Yeah, she always plays, like, very, uh, not dishonorable, but, like, just complex. Because she's in Inception, too, and, like, she has that kind of depth to her. Yeah. She's like kind of this innocent bystander, but also somehow manipulatively evil. Yeah. She's just like this sadistic damsel, I guess, is like what. So I was like a little off putting because I always want to root for her, but I always feel betrayed by her characters in films. Yeah. I got you. Good. That's good. Yeah. All right. So we're introduced to also her. Also a good Chris Nolan film. <laughs> yeah. Inception. I love Inception. So we're introduced to Miranda Tate, a wealthy investor and businessman, John Daggett, played by Ben Whoa, whoa, whoa. What'd you call me? Ha, John Daggett. Ah, yes. Played by Ben... uh, What's up? 
Oh no, say his name, say his name. Played by Ben Mendelsohn, who uh I don't think I've ever seen a movie where Ben Mendelsohn is the good guy. He was kind of you ever see the place beyond the pines? I did. I don't remember him in that movie. Who is he? He's the guy who um Ryan Gosling moves in with. He's okay. the like not trucker. Yeah, the truck driver with him who like robs the banks with him. I'll have to go back and and well, he's a bank robber. That's not a good guy. Yeah, no, but he's like an empathetic character, you know. Okay, okay. I'll have to rewatch. I only ever saw it one time in theaters, so Oh, it's beautiful. If you're out there listening to this, please watch that movie. The Great Place Beyond the Pines. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Uh, Eva Mendez, Bradley Cooper are also in it, I believe. And Ben Mendelsohn. And Ben Mendelsohn, as I have learned. <laughs> All right, so uh, we get introduced to those two, and they try to meet with the reclusive Bruce Wayne to get him to invest in this clean energy project, but he's not meeting with anybody, so he's not having it. Yeah. Uh Daggett is curious why Miranda is interested in seeing a guy who threw away her investment, but she chides him for only understanding money and the power he thinks it buys. So then then we see one of the maids for the event. Uh, We learn that she's Selena Kyle, Anne Hathaway. Um, Yes, a young cat burglar who breaks into Bruce's room on the pretense of delivering dinner. Uh, she she cracks his safe. She steals his mother's pearls, which has a tracking device built into it, which I thought was interesting. I've never seen like jewelry with tracking devices built into it. So, um, but like while after she uh she steals it, she starts looking around the place, observing a photo of Bruce's parents, and she uh, notices this target with several arrows in it. And uh, then Bruce comes in. He's hobbling on a cane. And he announces himself by shooting an arrow right in the bullseye, causing her to jump. I mean, I know he's he's Batman, and he's Bruce Wayne, and he's obviously been practicing, but I'm I couldn't help but think like, what if he was off by just a little bit and just like rocked her dome with this arrow and just that's the end. no more Selena Kyle, Catwoman. Would have is... been an easier movie for him for sure. You think? Who would have helped him at the end? Um, who would have betrayed him a bazillion times? <laughs> okay, touche. Oh, God. But, yeah, so he shoots the arrow. He's like, what up? Bruce Wayne here in the house. Um, She uh, tries to apologize and and says that uh, he doesn't look anything like the rumors make him out to be. And he immediately notices the necklace and and outs her as a thief. Uh, Then we get this great shift. The whole time she's been playing like this shy, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, you. And then he says she stole it. And that shift is just beautiful into like that, mm-hmm. that like that Catwoman shift. That like she's Selena, she's Catwoman now. It was, it was a, I thought it was a great piece of acting. Whoa, whoa! Yeah. Great, she's a great piece of a- ass. Um, <laughs> so then her her attitude and everything changed. She points out that Bruce wouldn't beat up a woman. So much as she would beat up a cripple, but then she kicks the cane from under him <laughs> and then says, Of course, exceptions have to be made. And I thought that was pretty funny <laughs> as Bruce yeah. crumbles to the floor. Then she escapes by doing this elegant backflip out of the window. She Which cha- no one sees. <laughs> right. She changes out of her disguise, makes her way to the to a, the congressman's car, and asks for a ride. His... Yeah, and also um, her biggest crime of all in this movie, she's a literary, ladies and gentlemen. She's yes. Just, 
things away, just into the bushes. She just dr- yes, I I was like, all right, just throw that shit everywhere. But I thought it was a great inter- introduction. We uh, we see like I think we get a great sense of of who this this woman is from that. Oh scene. yeah, for real, she's just magnificent in this movie. Yes. So then Alfred comes up to uh, Bruce's room, finds Bruce looking at the safe. And learning that the intruder is one of the maids, he dryly suggests that Bruce stop letting maids into this part of the house. And Bruce found dust, found print dust, and realizes that she took a copy of his fingerprints. I wonder what for. Not really. I've seen the movie, so. I hope so. Yeah. Later uh, that night, Gordon looks through some files on the police station's roof next to the destroyed bat signal and he's approached by a rookie officer John Blake played woo, by Joseph Gordon Levitt another actor i feel like for that that bit of stretch in like the early 2010s was in like every movie and i feel like he's kind of slowed down now yeah you ever see 50/50 yeah i have seth rogan in him that's great that's a good flick it is good yeah, a lot of bonus content in this week's podcast. A lot of other movies thrown out there. Yeah, we're we're doing the damn thing. I think we're I think we're getting we're getting more comfortable with this. Maybe. Ooh, um, I also suggest uh, if you haven't seen it, another Anne Hathaway movie. I uh, love another Drugs. Oh, I've seen with Jake Gyllenhaal, fake Rachel's brother. Yeah, you get to see your boobies. Yeah, oh, yeah. fake Rachel's brother. All right, so. Hathaway was uh, was um, what's her name fake with Rachel in both movies I don't think she would have been killed or at least wouldn't worth it I like Anne Hathaway better as Selena Kyle than I think I would yeah, as Rachel me too, me too. <clears throat> alright so John Blake goes on the roof with Gordon who uh, he informs about the congressman's disappearance and then he reveals that uh, he has suspicions about Dent's death and that the last confirmed Batman sighting. But uh, Gordon dismisses it, takes a look at the bat signal, and uh, leaves. And then the next morning, Alfred finds Bruce working on the computers in the Batcave. Uh, the prints their jewel thief was using were not her own, but somebody else, a male armed robbery sub- suspect. Bruce notes that by using the Pearl's tracking device, he was able to get the address and cop cross-reference it with police information to produce her name, Selena Kyle. She's a master jewel thief nicknamed the Cat. He's the bat, she's the cat. She's and she a... only steals mango pods. She only steals mango pods? She's a jewel thief. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, <laughs> she's been arrested a few times for various crimes like assault, resisting arrest, even breaking out of a woman's correctional facility when she was just 16. Alfred suggests that Bruce go out with her and move on from the grief he's had over Rachel's death eight years ago. Alfred's like, it's been eight years. Move on. Yeah, yo, Alfred drops some knowledge in this scene. Alfred does. Alfred is also trying to get Bruce laid really fucking hard. He's like, maybe you should go on a date with her. Maybe you should uh, find a woman. Maybe you should... uh, Mm-hmm. But, maybe uh, you should go get some poo time. Maybe you should go get some tangerines. Some tangerines. <laughs> uh, so Alfred surprises Bruce, informing him that during the seven years between Bruce 
uh, returning to Gotham to becoming Batman, to become Batman, that, that seven years while he was gone training and all that. Alfred hoped that Bruce would never return. He tells Bruce that he wished that while in a cafe during his yearly vacation to Florence, Italy, after he disappeared, he would see Bruce happily with a woman, married, having a normal life, and they would silently acknowledge each other. It was it's a great it's a great speech, I think. There's a lot there's so I think the writing in in this film is definitely the best out of the uh the trilogy. I I just oh, remember yeah. I remember so many speeches where I was like Oh, that's a great speech. That's a great speech. And the actors were, like, killing it, too. Like, uh, Michael Caine has a few. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has that one when he's talking about his parents' death and, and realizing that Bruce was uh, Batman. And then uh, there's just so many others. Yeah, and that little um, tete-a-tete that uh, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle have at the masquerade ball with each other. While they're yeah. Like, Beautiful. Just... Just really beautiful. It was. I think they re- the 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 writers really <laughs> learned who these characters were. Even like the newer ones is crazy. They, like f- found their stride. They 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 like knew everything where they wanted to go, and like it was just. I I have nothing else to say about it. But yeah, really fantastic. So moving on, Blake. And his partner uh, show up at this sewage treatment plant where a dead body is washed out of the tunnels. Blake recognizes the body as a kid staying at St. Swithin's Orphanage. I think I said that correctly. Uh, uh, yes, the classic St. Swithin. You keep going. I'm going to look up who St. Swithin was. Okay. Uh, Blake has a very close relationship with the orphanage and with uh, Father Riley, the warden, and we realize that he grew up in that orphanage where he'd uh, been funded by the Wayne Foundation until recently. One of the kids at the orphanage informs him that the sewers provide good emplo- employment. This is the brother of the, the, the kid who uh, Blake found dead. And uh, he's like, what kind of work can you find down there? He's very suspicious of this um, alleged work. So yeah. if you night, did you find out who St. Swithin is? No, I'm just saying there's like an Arby's down there, you know, like a stop and shop. <laughs> So a few nights later, Selena Kyle walks into a bar with a drunk man. She seats him at the counter. She walks over to another table, and then she meets with uh, Philip Striver, one of it's Daggett's assistant CEO. Uh, she hands him a slide that contains four of Bruce's right hand <coughs> fingerprints. When she asks if Striver has something for her in return, he signals for one of the men to lock the door. She smiles and she admits that although she doesn't want to. N- know what Striver is planning to use Bruce's prints for. She knows he'll need a thumbprint as well. Striver has another hoodlum put a pistol to Selena's head to threaten her. She hesitates for a moment, but hands her cell phone to Striver and tells him to hit the sin button. Hell yeah. There's a knock at the door. Selena's friend, a young woman named Jen, comes in. She uh, notices the place seems a little quiet, but Selena assures her that the place will liven up in a few minutes, and then Jen leaves. Bye, Jen. Selena then hands Driver another envelope. It's got the thumbprint in it. He draws his pistol. He's getting ready to shoot her, and she informs Selena that even if in the black dress she's decided to wear tonight, she will not be missed by anyone. Unfortunately for him, though, she reveals that she has anticipated this, uh, for she says that while that might be true about her, the cops are missing her friend. The drunk is actually the missing congressman, and Striver has just used that guy's cell phone to send a message to the police, so the police know that he's there. Uh, sucks for so him. So did she, like, kidnap the congressman? Yeah, uh, when she got into his car, 
that night at the 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 charity function or the dent appreciation fest, whatever it was. She, she dent kid- fest twenty eighteen, baby. <laughs> she kidnapped him then. Oh, interesting. Oh, How- that's very clever. She's probably just been keeping him like drunk and drugged because he's he's like a big man and she's a tiny woman. Like I don't under, I don't know any other way she could like keep him um, missing. Superhero skills. Oh yes, of course I forgot about those. All right. So suddenly, the room is filled with sound and police cars screeching outside and the thugs draw their pistols and Selena attacks them. We get uh, this is her first fight scene. I, yeah, we get her first fight scene. She disarms one of the thug. Outside, the SWAT team comes in with submachine guns drawn. Selena wrestles this driver, drags him over the table. She knocks him out. She, like, uses his gun to shoot the other people while, like, using his finger. It's very, very, very nice. Good, good Is this scene. the scene where she uses, like, her heel and, like, to, like, hold the guy against the wall? No, that's like, later. Oh, okay, because I was like, woo! Had me sweating. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'll remind you when we get to, to that. Oh, thank heavens. So then the SWAT officers begin swinging a battering ram. They open the door, seconds to act. Selena grabs Driver's pistol. Uh, she shoots around. She pistol whips Driver. She shoots another thug as he draws draw his weapon. SWAT team breaches the door, shooting a third henchman as they enter. And then she, Selena promptly, we get like another one of those shifts. She just immediately starts yeah. hysterically screaming, pretending to be like a hostage. The uh, SWAT officers chase the thugs into the kitchen and out the back door, uh, where there's still like there's a shootout going on. Amidst the gunfire, Selena walks over to the congressman who has taken a bullet in the leg, tells him to apply pressure to his wound, then saunters out the front door. And she r- runs into Blake, who uh, she passes herself. Doesn't off she the still, like? It was isn't he like? Does he like call me or something like that? Yeah, yeah. We get like a little call. He's like, uh, she's like, put pressure on that sweetheart. And he's like, uh, call me. Even after all that, he's still, yeah. still in men. Love. White men are gross in this movie. Like, there's like some gross ass dude at the ball. I don't, I, I don't remember particularly where. Oh yeah, no, I know. It's like Bruce said. We'll we'll get there. Yeah. Like, no, but like, oh, and that that guy also like the initial one, like some of the gross, like in during the uh, gent gent fest. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so while Selena's escape, Blake goes, he makes his way through the bar, he heads out of the back alley to give some support to the SWAT team who have been pinned down behind a parked truck. As they break cover and prepare to fire at the henchman, Barsad, he's on a fire escape, shoots three of them in the back with a sniper rifle, like a big-ass sniper rifle, too. Uh, the, the remaining henchmen sprint for safety, and they disappear around the, around the other corner. Gordon and Foley arrive with backup. They enter the alley and the henchmen fled that the henchmen fled into, but find that the men have vanished. While a few officers head up a stairwell to look for the henchmen, Gordon spots a displaced manhole and takes three SWAT officers with him to search the tunnel. So they climb down the ladder into the sewers and they're searching through the tunnels. Thugs ambush and open fire on them. A bomb goes off. It takes out Gordon's backup, shooting a fireball out of the open manhole. Foley thinks that this blast is a gas explosion. Blake's like, gas explosion? It's a sewer. And then uh, Foley's like, get this hothead out of here. A line that he'll say like three times in this fucking yeah, movie. Literally. Uh, but Blake realizes, he, he thinks he knows where Gordon might uh, turn up, so he gets in his car and he goes off somewhere. So 
Gordon starts further into the tunnel with his flashlight and pistol. Uh, there's no backup. It's just Gordon. Two of Bane's men corner him from behind and knock him out. They grab him by his arms, drag him, still like half half conscious through a labyrinth of tunnels. As Gordon is dragged deeper in, he notices men with assault rifles and submachine guns overseeing teams of hoodlums doing construction on the walls. The two henchmen bring Gordon into a cavern with a waterfall where they deposit him in the front of a shirtless Bane. Bane's, yeah. Bane's like, uh, why have you come? Why have you come here? And then the the henchmen are like, answer him. He's like, no, I'm I'm talking to you. Why'd you bring this fucker here? And the first one says he and his comrade didn't know what to do. Bane tells him that they failed in their duties and their weakness has cost their lives of three people. And he immediately just takes the first guy by the neck, strangles him like, like it was nothing, just like crush done. And he tells the other one, he will kill him after he searches Gordon's jacket. So the other guy searches him, uh, empties his pockets, gives him his badge, wallet, pistol, and the speech about Harvey Dent, which is still in his jacket. That's unfortunate. Uh, oh, I didn't even notice that's when he gets it. That's crazy. Yeah. Bane looks over Gordon's speech, deciding that it is useful to his plan. Why is it still there? Like, I don't get that. I mean, you, you've worn a jacket. Sometimes you just put stuff in the pocket, and it's a jacket, so you don't you don't immediately throw it in the wash. So maybe it's just still chilling there, you know? That's for sure, for sure. Um, Because I, I don't remember if it's like a suit jacket or if it's like a, a jacket jacket, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a coat. So uh, oh. Gordon sees that his captors are occupied, and when Bane has his back turned, he just like rolls off into the platform into the water yeah. and they start like shooting at the water they hit him like I think he grabs his leg they hit him in the leg and uh, Barsad hands Bane a tracking device which he places on the second thug and he's like uh, follow him let us know where he goes he's like follow him and he shoots him and throws his body into the waterway and out he goes now Jeez. outside the tunnels Blake jumps out of his car near the sewer and uh, rushes to exit to, to the exit grate where he finds Gordon soaked and, and he's like barely clean he's like slapping him in the face he's like come on wake up wake up wake up yada 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 Jim and he takes yeah he takes him to the hospital and afterwards uh, Blake goes to Wayne Manor to inform Bruce of the shooting the reason being that he's figured out himself that Bruce is Batman because he's not a fucking idiot he explains to Bruce that when he was five years old, his mother died in a car accident, and then a few years later he lost his dad, who was shot after a gambling dispute. And he figured out Bruce's identity from the fact while growing up as an orphan, Blake learned to smile in the mirror to hide his anger. Uh, none of Gordon's own cops not even fully believe Gordon's babbling about an underground army, and Blake makes a plea for Bruce to return as Batman to stop Bane. This is where we get that, that great speech I was talking about from Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. Juggle love. Yeah, man. Alright, so... As Bruce watches Blake drive off, he asks Alfred about Bane, and Alfred tells him that he's a mercenary, and it is known that he and his men carried out a coup in West African country that secured diamond mining operations for Daggett. So that's that's how we get the Daggett connection there. The size of a tangerine. Exactly. Bruce asks Alfred why his foundation stopped funding Blake's orphanage because Blake lets him know that that uh, Wayne Enterprises used to fund it. And Alfred reveals that the Wayne Foundation is funded by Wayne Enterprises' profits 
and there are no profits, so there's no money to go to the orphanage. Uh, then Bruce figures it's time to talk to Fox, and he asks Alfred for a car and for an appointment at Gordon's hospital for an examination on his leg. And then he's seen pulling out in his Lambo. Uh, the, orth- oh, the orthopedist at the hospital tells Bruce that uh, there's zero cartilage in his knee. And he's got all... You all right? I think uh, Jacob is done. You good? I just cut that section out. No, I'm going to leave it in there. Jesus. Uh, Tom Lennon from uh, SNL. The doctor. All right. He's still with us. All right, so uh, the orthopedist tells Bruce he's got no cartilage in his knee and that his body is just generally um, fucked Reno up. What? He's from Reno 911. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, Officer Dangle, right? Yep. He's funny. Um, but yeah, he tells Bruce that his body is fucked and that he can't recommend he go hella skiing, which I don't know what that is. I'm going to have to look up some pictures, but it sounds hella fun. (laughs) Oh yeah. But your puns are so fucking great. They are. Thank you. Anyway, as soon as the doctor leaves the room, Bruce puts on a ski mask and he like turns his cane into like this fucking like, uh, what do you call those things that help you repel? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Repeller? No. Propeller. Hella a winch. Skiing. A winch of some sort. And uh, he hooks. He goes into you Gordon's. You winch. You winch. He he goes into Gordon's room, and they have a nice little talk. Uh, he finds him hooked up to machines, and Gordon insists that Batman must return to stop Bane. So then. Bruce tracks down Selena to her apartment in this rundown neighborhood using that that tracking device and the necklace can't come, comes in handy. So inside, mm-hmm. Selena is put on the necklace and is preparing to go out for a night on the town. And she hears this commotion in the hallway. Her friend Jen is being threatened by some rich fuck who she pickpocketed. Selena defuses the situation by <laughs> twisting the guy's arm and fucking him up and p- kicking him out. In the process, stealing his watch. Yeah, in the process, she steals his watch. Uh, Bruce then watches as she emerges and climbs into a cab and fall. He follows her. So he tails her to uh, a gala costume ball, and he, as he leaves his car with the valet, the paparazzi recognize him and start to snap photos. They're like, "Holy shit, that's Bruce Wayne!" But Bruce uses a remote in his pocket that shuts down all the cameras and is waved through by the greeter. Inside, he, I'm Bruce Wayne, bitch. <laughs> Instead of he watches Selena as she's dancing with this older guy. She's wearing a domino mask and a headband with a set of cat ears. Very telling. He comments on that yeah, later. Yeah. He watches her. He's approached by... As he watches her, he's approached by Miranda Tate, who uh, he learns is the organizer of the party after inadvertently, like... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inadvertently... Uh, Tainting it? No, no, no. Were you... Insult. <coughs> Jesus Christ. Inadvertently insulting her. Taint. Tainting her. She's astonished to see him because he never goes to charity events uh, even before he retired from the world. And they have some small talk about the energy project and then she leaves and Bruce goes over to Selena. Um, where am I? Bruce 
Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. Cuts in with Selena dancing with that old guy as the next dance starts, and uh, she's annoyed that he came. They, they waltz around. She said. She, she reveals her desire to get a fresh start and claims she wants to see his, the rich lose and the city burn. And, uh, Bruce tells her that all of her assumptions of him are wrong. She tells him uh, there's a storm coming, having some knowledge of Bane's plans, and that she's adaptable. And although he admits that his mother's necklace looks better on Selena than locked in a safe, he, he doesn't think she uh, deserves it, and he takes it from her. And she she responds by suddenly planting a passionate kiss on him. And uh, then she leaves. And uh, the the old geezer she was dancing with is like, Oh, you, you scared her off! And you he, like, scared chases, her off! Best part chases of after um, Stupid white men. I, would want, I wanted to see, like, in all the chaos, I would love to have seen him just get roundhoused. Just, like, <laughs> killed. Yeah. But we get, we get one of the lines that made me, like, laugh out loud here when she's like, oh, we couldn't all be born in the master bedroom at Wayne Manor. And he's like, actually, I was born in the Regency room. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. It was very clever. But then... Bruce decides he wants to leave, so uh, he goes out, and he's like, my car, and the valet is like, oh, your wife said you'd be taking a cab, and he's like, my wife? And then we see Selena driving the car, so obviously when she, she kissed him, she uh, took his keys, she pickpocketed him. Genius! She's so good! She she's is. So- I don't, I have like zero complaints about her. She's got a great arc. She she's acted very well. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so Bruce goes to his company office <clears throat> the next day to meet with Lucius Fox. We get a uh, some Morgan Freeman. Morgan. And he tells Bruce that uh, the majority ownership of, of Wayne Pri- Wayne Enterprises keeps Daggett from taking over the company, despite him blowing the R and D department's budget on the mothballed nuclear project. Uh, and then he takes. Bruce down to the R&D department shows him a new toy, a nice little flying aircraft. It is a U.S. Army project designed for urban combat with rotors that make it capable of navigating between buildings without recirculation. A project uh, which has a long designation, but he says he just calls it the bat. Uh, And then he, uh, he makes this joke that's like a callback to the first movie, and he's like, and yes, it does come in black. Yeah, yeah, that was I like that. Yeah, it was great. The bat it works uh, fine, although Fox warns that the autopilot is broken and it could be uh, repaired by someone with Bruce's intellect and time. Now, a, a note I have here during this part is Lucius takes him down there and he's like, they had Wayne Enterprises had all these subsidiaries for R and D, and he's been slowly consolidating everything. <laughs> And basically just putting all the tools he said he didn't want to get into the wrong hands in one place. So if somebody who had the wrong hands wanted them, they wouldn't have to go very far. They're all right there. Ha, ha, ha. Which will come into play later, as we know. Ha. Uh, that's what my that's what my laugh meant. Oh, I see. Ha, ha, ha. You should use your words. Uh. <laughs> anyway, all right, so Bruce is, we see Bruce trying to get back into shape. He puts, like, this motorized leg brace on. He kicks the, like, a fucking support pillar, just breaks yeah. some brick. I'm like, damn, did, 
like did the leg brace like just give him like super leg strength as well? Right. It was dope as shit. It was. I was not mad at it. It was something like so satisfying with a little crunch, a little crunch. Oh yeah, I, I loved it. It was just like crunch. It was beautiful. It's like, uh, yeah. Ooh. Alfred walks in and while well, Bruce is doing all this shit and he tells Bruce that he needs to know about the rumors that surround Bane and he says, like supposedly Bane escaped from this Middle Eastern prison known for brutality, simply called the Pits of Hell. And then he became a member of the League of Shadows and was tra- trained by Ra's al Ghul. <gasps> ah, but then Bane was excommunicated from the group for extreme behavior, even beyond the boundaries of the League. And Alfred warns Bruce that anyone too extreme for the likes of Ra's al Ghul is not to be trifled with. And he believes Bruce has a death wish to go back to being, to go back to being Batman. He, um, he talks about he doesn't want to see him die and all this stuff. Um, so, yeah, he has the great line where he says, "Like I'm afraid, like he's afraid that he'll want to fail." Yeah, that I, I was, I was checking my notes to make sure because I didn't, I didn't write down. But I think this is the last time we see Alfred until the uh, the very end of the movie. Well, is this no? Because he um, is this when he leaves him? That's yeah. That's what I'm checking to make sure. I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, oh, hold yeah. on, let me. Oh, that's so upsetting. He's like, if it means leaving you to save you, then I will. No, yeah, this is this is one of those great speeches that I, I keep referring to. But um, yeah, Michael Caine is just so prolific in this movie. He even plays like a butler in a superhero movie. Right, right. Pro- it's great. This this is like the best. Alf, like I know. Hold on. Uh, I know we get like very little like this is probably the least Alfred we get in the trilogy like this movie but like the weight he carries is just like grand I don't I don't know how to explain it yeah no I'm with you like Like, he doesn't have a lot of screen time but the screen time he does have is just like powerful and he's like like really nailing home he's like you can see every little bit of emotion he's going through and all that yeah, he's very like because all the ones are like a very like surface sassy like helpful. Yeah, Alfred, but this one, I don't know, he just lays it home. He just has that knowledge. He just drops it. He really, really does. Don't want to bury another Wayne. We haven't we haven't put any clips from uh, this movie in yet. So because I love this speech so much, I'm going to insert clip here. Here. Oh, you want to do it at the same time? I, we just did. Uh, I don't know if it was at the same time. Well, I guess the replay will show. We'll see. All right. Insert clip here. Here. Beautiful. That was off. It was one, off. One, two, two three. Insert, insert clip, clip here. Here. <laughs> All right. So that evening, Bane and three of his men carry out this assault and robbery on the Gotham Stock, Stock Exchange. One of the hitchmen, whose name is McGarity, apparently, he comes into the building posing as a shoe shiner, working at the stand by the entrance and trading floor, and he's like shining these guys' shoes. And I saw this. These fucking this... dick white men—they're just <laughs> prevalent throughout this movie. But I did see something that I thought might have been like a um, a callback to to Harvey Dent or something. Uh, it, was, it was when he's shining the shoes. The two guys are talking, and one of them is like, "Change is either good or bad," and 
the other guy's like, oh, how do you decide or whatever? He's like, I flipped a coin. And I was like, oh, is that like a Two-Face reference? Yeah, I noted that too. Very, very funny. Very clever. Yeah, I wonder like what it means in the overall theme or like even just like in reference to Harvey Dent, but I thought it was really funny. Right. <clears throat> All right, so we see the shoe shiner. Um, he has a, sh- a, a submachine gun in his gym bag, and then we see like another henchman who's disguised as janitor. He's mopping the floors and shit, and he's got a gun hidden in the mop bucket. And so, and there's a third one who sneaks onto the trading floor by uh, pretending to be a sandwich delivery guy. So prior to closing time. Uh, all these guys, they stop what they're doing, they wait until there's no one around to see them, and they take their weapons, they make their way onto the trading floor, and then at the same time, Bane comes in at the rear entrance, and he's disguised uh, as a delivery man, he's got a motorcycle helmet uh, to hide his face, and something I noted here, he's got a leather jacket, and a red motorcycle helmet, like a red hood, covering his face and it was very I don't know if you read comic books or anything or if you know anything about Red Hood but this is like looks like a classic kind of like Red Hood costume Jason Todd who was Batman's second Robin became Red Hood and he he would always wear like this brown leather jacket and he had this Red Hood I'll post a picture on the um on the Instagram oh that's dope but uh, I I was wondering if it might have been like a nod to to Red Hood because it's kind of like the same kind of costume but yeah, and in some like Joker mythologies, his first like criminal alter ego was Red Hood before he became the Joker. So, oh, interesting. Funny enough, because that may that may be that because I was looking up and apparently there, out of respect for Heath Ledger, <coughs> the Joker was never mentioned once in the whole movie. Right, which if if he had li- even if uh, if he had lived and he didn't want to do the movie, I still think like they would have had some mention because the Joker was such a big deal in like the Gotham history. You know what I mean? For sure. Especially because they had Scarecrow return too. Yeah. The only, the only villain to be in all three movies. Yeah, really? That's crazy. But yeah, I, 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 and I know we, we talked about this on the last podcast and as I was watching, I was trying to think and I just don't see, where the Joker would have fit in. Like, a mention, sure, but, like, if he was, like, physically there, I don't know, other than just, like, a quick flash of seeing him, maybe, in like, in the courtroom, I just don't know what he could have been doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, because Bane's already, like, actively seeking chaotic things, like a chaotic right. order. That's the Joker's whole thing was just chaos. Right. Fun fact, the Joker was also trained by Ra's al Ghul and uh, was... Uh, I'm just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so getting back to this, uh, Bane gets there in his Red Hood-esque costume. And he walks through the metal detector, the alarm goes off, the security guard's like, I need to see your face, <clears throat> come on, take off your helmet. And so he does. And, and he, he hits does, a woman. Yeah, he knocks her out with that helmet. <laughs> It's crazy. Damn, Bane. He knocks out the second guard, the third guard. He takes a gun. uh, The security guard, one of the security guards takes out a gun, but Bane twists his gun hand, punches him in the crotch with his other hand, shoots the fourth guard, and fractures the third guard. He's just like fucking is a a beast. He is destroying everybody. Apparently Tom Hardy only 5'9". He had to wear um, like lifts in his shoes for the filming of this movie. 
Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was very interesting. Are are British people like <clears throat> just naturally shorter than Americans? Is it yeah, it must because, be. Because like, I know my grandfather was British, so I'm, was you know, he? Yes, yeah, so I mean that's why I'm I'm yeah yeah it's definitely a genetics genetics. Um, you're 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 short, dude. Whatever. <laughs> no, I was just wondering because like Kit Harrington is like five foot eight, and like I saw this thing that had all of the Game of Thrones uh, cast members like heights, and like a lot of them are like on the shorter end of what you would think. You know what I mean? Yeah, Dan Radcliffe is like five five. Oh yeah, he's a short guy too. So I, I was just curious if like uh, if English actor English people or like British people are just naturally short. Uh, moving on. Yeah, Oops. Napoleon. He was uh, not as short as people think he was. No, he was not. Upstairs. Uh, also French. No. He was French. Yeah, that's what I thought. Anyway, <coughs> moving on. Upstairs, the all those henchmen are on the trading room floor. Uh, they start fucking shooting around. He whips a customer over the sh- one of them whips a customer over the shoulder with the barrel. Of, shoots a nearby trader. Uh, trade trader, not traitor. Trader. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. trailer. Mm-hmm. You got it. Uh, so they're like opening fire, just trying to like gain control. They stop shooting when Bane comes in. He looks around and he looks at this trader, uh, the one we just saw getting his shoe shined. And the trader's like, "There's trader." He's like, "There's there's no money here." And then Bane's like, "Then why are you here?" I thought it was a good oh, line. Yes, very funny. That was good. Uh, so Bane drags him by the necktie over to a terminal. He slams his head against the table. He like yeah. fucking demolishes <laughs> yeah. this guy. That man is dead. <laughs> He really might be. Uh, they pull over a laptop, uh, do all this like computer shit, hook up a USB cable, hook it up to a terminal, and then Ben uses the trader security gu- traders security guard card to. You're the only one s- correct. I don't even say anything. <laughs> uh, to log into the system, and uh, he begin begins a series of trades, and I think we see like, the, what. He gets a series of traits, like new qualities about his personality. Yeah, yeah, it's like a video game. You just like get some XP, you get to upgrade your character and all that. Oh, very neat. Yeah. So then the police, including Foley and a bunch of SWAT team members, they come out, they get outside, and they're like in full force. The security chief at the exchange is worried that he has ac- that Bane has access to everybody's money, and Foley's like, "I'm not risking any of my officers for your money." And he's like, uh, orders the fiber lines to be cut and the cell tower to be shut down to stall Bane. And inside, Bane is not alarmed when McGarity reports that the cops are out there to uh, to him. So, while Foley is dealing with the stock exchange security chief, uh, Blake comes in, climbs out of his car, and he sees the cement truck parked near a corner, obstructing the street. He walks over, he tells the truck driver to move, and there's a short argument as the truck driver's like, where am I supposed to go? He's like, alright, Blake's just like, alright, just sit tight, you know? And suddenly an alarm goes off, and a barrier ramp starts to to rise at the end of the block to keep the robbers from leaving the street. And uh, then Blake goes off somewhere. Um, inside the exchange, 
Bane asks uh, McGarity for a progress report, and he's like, they need eight more minutes to complete. And Bane's like, all right, time to take this thing mobile. And he orders every, the janitor every, orders everyone to stand up, raises their machine gun. They start firing, firing, firing. Uh, they send the hostages scramble, scrambling to their feet. McGarity stuffs the tablet into his bag while Bane grabs his helmet and starts for the exit. Yeah, why do they need to go mobile if, like, the thing was loading, like, no matter what? I don't know. I was wondering that. And then also, he needs eight minutes, which, I mean, I guess it's a long time if you are a bad guy and you've got all these hostages. But hostage situations kind of last a long time. Because you know you gotta you gotta get all the team there. You gotta get the the hostage negotiator. Then you gotta make contact. Like eight minutes is nothing when when you think about all that. But then they start shooting the place. And like when you have an active shooter, it does not matter what's happening. Every cop is gonna fucking just like rush in there. You know what I mean? So yeah, keeping the hostages and just chilling probably would have been in their interest more than just like starting firing. But like. Right, uh, I don't know why they had to leave. It was like, you know what would make this download faster? If we kept moving around. Right, right, right. At high speeds, you know? Just kind of like... <clears throat> threw me for a loop, that little plot point. Yeah. And where'd those bikes come from? Where did the bikes come from? Oh, that's a good question. Because... We're just like, we have bikes now. Oh, and your ramps. Thanks for being perfect triangles. We can just hop over. Jesus. <laughs> Stupid. All right, so... They're all starting to exit. The officers aiming their guns at the front doors. The hostages are coming out with their hands up, and the sniper is over on this, the roof. Like, they got it covered. Before anybody can realize what's going on, the crowd moves out of the way as Bane bursts out of the building riding on a motorcycle followed by the other henchmen. Each robber has a hostage strapped to the back of their motorcycle. How they're holding on for dear life, you tell me. <laughs> Foley yells for the officers to hold their fire. Bane and his men, like, weave through the police car, speed past Blake in the cement truck, use the crash barriers as ramps, like Jacob said. They jump over the cars. They escape. Um, Bane and the janitor throw their hostages off. Uh, Foley shouts orders, and officers jump into the cars and speed away, tire screeching. Chase, chase, chase. Now, Bane and his men are racing through the streets. They enter a tunnel, and there's a single police car driven by a rookie and a what seems like a veteran. And uh, Yeah. Classic cop show right there. Yeah. Apparently, these guys, the rookie's name is Jansen. The veteran's name is Kelly. So, that's what we'll call Jans- them. Jansen and Kelly, come on, people. <laughs> Gotham TV show spinoff? I think so. Look out, Fox. So, Jansen, the rookie, tells Kelly who's riding shotgun to shoot the tires, but Kelly doesn't have a clean shot, and Foley orders them over the radio to drop back to avoid endangering the hostages. But then Jansen notices the tunnel lights behind them going out by themselves, and he's like, what the fuck is happening? Then the police car's engine and battery suddenly cut off for a few seconds, and then we see something sleek and black race past their car, and Kelly tells his partner, oh boy, you're in for a show tonight, son. I love that line. He got so excited when he noticed that, like, realized that Batman was there. So then, seconds later, uh, Petrov's motorcycle suddenly sputters out. As Petrov comes to a stop, his hostage makes a break for it. 
and Petrov aims his pistol, getting ready to shoot the hostage when Batman slams into him, knocking him off the bike. He then climbs back onto the bat pod, aims an EMP gun, and shorts out the janitor's motorcycle, bringing him to a stop. Just then, Officer Jansen shoots Batman's weapon. Jansen apologizes after Batman gives him this look like, dude, what the fuck? And his his, port- his partner's like, get back in the car. What are you doing? I just thought the dynamic was really funny. Jansen and Kelly. Back at it again. Jansen and Kelly. Back at it again. They call us Jansen and Kelly. You're Jansen, yeah. I'm Kelly. Oh, yes, you are. J- Jan- Jansen and Kelly. Because you're a rookie. I'm no rookie. Compared Wait, Jansen's a rookie? Yeah, Jansen's a rookie. Pamela Jans- Janserson? Anyway. Jenna Jansen? Receiving word of Batman's return, Foley jumps into Blake's cruiser and they drive off to join the chase. And as they drive, Foley orders every unit brought in, eager to take down the Batman even though Blake believes they should be focusing on stopping Bane from escaping. I'm like, are you an idiot? Like, you're focused on one dude, the Batman, when there's hostages at... St- you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, yeah. There's that one motherfucker holding on for dear life in the back. And yeah, like, he's so Batman. hard for stopping Batman right now because he wants to prove that he can do something, do what Gordon couldn't, bringing down the Batman when... I don't know. I just didn't. I was like, but it Going gives it gives his character this a nice arc <coughs> that we see come come full circle at the end. Um, so it's good. Uh, so while the car chase unfolds, Selena breaks into Daggett's safe, looking for the clean slate program, which has the potential to expunge her criminal record. Hence the name Ooh, Clean expunge. Slate. Expunge. Mm. She's using this these goggles that flip up and look like cat ears. I thought that was great great uh costuming how because i was curious when uh, like you know it's gonna be catwoman in this movie i was like oh is she gonna have like full cat ear mask type deal but i like her mask that has the goggles that flip up into the ears i thought that was really oh cool. yeah super dope um so she opens the safe and there's nothing in it wow so yeah. batman chases bane and mcgarity on the bat pod Bane notices that the laptop is at 91% complete, and the cops are closing in. Bane signals uh, McGarity to take a U-turn. Uh, pursuing officer reports this to Foley over the radio, but Foley's like, no, 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 fuck Bane. We gotta get the Batman, even though you guys have hostages. So as yeah. a result, Bane is able to just race through the police cars without any of them trying to intercept him, uh, doing a second glance over his shoulder as he passes Batman. Once at a safe spot, he watches the chase for a few minutes and to make sure no one has seen him. Then he rides off into a storm drain to head back to his hideout. My question is like, so yeah, Foley was like, um, you know, get the Batman, but doesn't Bane just like ride in between two cop cars? Couldn't like one of them just like open their 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 door and just fuck him up real quick? Yeah, right. Just like squish him. Yeah, squish him. Just do like a little pincer move or something. Yeah. Yeah. What's that movie where the guy has like a he's like a on a split in between two trucks? I have no and idea like, what you're they like drive about. that way. I have no idea what you're talking about. Hold on, I'm gonna continue on. Jean Claude Van Damme. What? Oh, it's a, from a commercial. Okay, never mind. Forget I said anything. I but will forget it. 
I'm, I'm sending it to you right now. Okay. All right. So Batman rescues McGarity's hostage and uses his bike to block the mercenary near a highway on ramp. Batman steps up to McGarity, shatters his visor with his fist, and looks at the laptop, which now reads, Application Complete. Now, yeah. I was looking at this hostage, and you know this hostage is a stockbroker because he's got that blue shirt with a white collar and suspenders. The universal sign for I work in finance at, like, a Fortune 500. Yeah, he's dressed like the boss from, um... Oh, Office Space. Movie? Office Space, yes. Yeah. All right. So, also a good movie. So, uh, Bat, as the police surround him, Batman grabs the laptop hard drive, then sets off an explosion with the Batpod cannons and jumps off this, like, car carrier and then gets... There's another chase. The police box him into this alleyway, or so they think. Um, somebody says he's like a rat in a trap. Foley says that, that he's like a rat in a trap. But then as he's about to talk into a megaphone, this blue light and a humming noise happens at the end of the hall, mm-hmm. at the end of the alleyway, and Kelly tells Foley he's got the wrong animal. Just more comedy from uh, Jansen and Kelly. We love, love these guys. Um, so then the bat emerges and flies out and over the police officers. It's downdrafts, like fucking blowing their hats and shit off. They can't do anything. Then Blake asks Foley if he's sure that was Batman who just flew off, and Foley's pissed, and he shoves the. The megaphone into Blake's hand. Pretty funny. Love it. Then we're at Daggett's penthouse, where where (laughs) Striver reports to Daggett that the robbery was successful, even with Batman's interference. And uh, Bane has assured the men who were captured will die before talking. And Daggett's like, all right, let's get some champagne. And as he enters his office, he's like, can we get some girls in here? And then Selena's like, be careful what you wish for. And this is where we get the part you were talking about where she puts her heel and she, like, traps his arm up in there. <laughs> you all right? Yeah. Woo! 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 All right, so she's restraining his arm with her heel, and uh, she's got him by the neck or something, and she demands yeah, she to know does. where the clean slate is. And Shriver comes in, and he's got a pistol at the back of her head, but she disarms him like it's fucking nothing. And then she stomps the serrated heel on his instep. One of Dagger's bodyguards bursts in. Uh, Selina holds him off by aiming her pistol at the bodyguard while collaring Daggett. She shoots out the window and jumps out the window with both of them onto uh, one of those like window washing things. What do you call it? Like a scaffold? It's not a scaffolding. What is that? No, that's scaffolding. Is it? Ish. Okay. Ish, kind of. To the window. Um. So I'm a window washer and I just get to the last floor of Funny family guy. <laughs> Alright, anyway, so then uh, they're on a roof and Selena's got Daggett pinned down and she's got his, the pistol at his neck and she's like, alright, come on, give me the fucking clean slate. That's all I've been doing this shit for. And he's like, are you serious? That there's, There is no clean slate. It's a gangland myth. You just did it's all this scaffold. stuff for nothing. That's also, what? gangland, great show. On, it's called Scaffolding. Mm, okay. Um, also, show on History Channel. Great show. Selena tries to control herself and take this in. Then Bane's men come out, and she grabs Dagon. She's like, "You, you, I'm, I'm gonna shoot him," but they don't give a fuck. And Batman appears, and he, she's like, "You don't believe me?" He's like, "They do. They just don't give a fuck." And so they're like, "Fuck, all right." So then they start fighting. Selena, Batman, and the mercenaries. And, like, she's, like, shooting people, and then Batman, like, punches the gun out of her hand, and he's like, no guns. No and, guns. Um, 
Suddenly, Broussard and more mercenaries come from a rooftop, and they're like opening fire. So Batman and Selena have to retreat. They like jump into the the bat. And she she has that line that I'm gonna insert here. Here. Another warned me about getting into cars with strange men. This is Nick. So she says that, and he's like, "Not a car." And then they fly off. This isn't a car. It looks like a cockroach, the underbelly of that thing. Yeah, okay, so I didn't really like the the look of the bat. You know what I mean? Yeah, it looked kind of gross. I, I, it just looked very skeletal, and I didn't like that. It, it kind of looked like they took the top of the tumbler and just kind of like sliced, sliced the top of it. And, and then put some propellers underneath. And we're like, all right, here's the bat. It just, I don't know. I didn't. I just didn't like the look. It was not for me. The underbelly, it looks like like a cockroach or like like some like a lobster or shellfish. Right. Yeah. It does. Doesn't look good. No. All right. So, moving on. Batman drops Selena off on a roof, and she's annoyed that he interfered and all this stuff she's just pissy probably because she doesn't have a clean slate now yeah I mean I'd be upset too I don't blame her yeah so Bruce manages to figure out what she did with his fingerprints and learns that Daggett was interested in the exchange interested in the exchange robbery however before Bruce can find out more he is forced to duck as the spotlight of a police helicopter flying by shines over the roof when he looks back up, Selena's gone, and he says, "So that's what that feels like." Yeah, great. Probably my favorite part of the movie, right there. It Just was incredible. Which that is that is a, a line taken taken from a comic book, and even the situation is very uh, similar. But instead of it being Catwoman, it's actually Superman that disappears on him. Just oh, a little, interesting. Little fun fact yeah. for you. Definitely very self-aware, but that's that's an awesome factoid. I love that. Yeah. That that comes from there. All right, and so we were wrong. That wasn't where Alfred leaves. This next one is where Alfred leaves. Oh, okay, okay. So I probably wouldn't... I'm not going to insert the clip back there. I'll insert it after I talk about it here. Here. No, not yet. I'm going to talk here. about it first. <laughs> so returning to the Batcave, Bruce asks Alfred to have Fox decode the hard drive and also notices his thumbprint scan is on the application. And uh, his decision to return as Batman leads to a spat with Alfred, who is afraid he has a death wish. Alfred leaves Bruce and the mansion for good after revealing the contents of Rachel's farewell letter to Bruce given to Alfred prior to her death at the Joker's hands in the Dark Knight. Alfred had burned the letter to protect Bruce from pain, pain, pain. Ah, uh, Thomas Paine, yes, common sense. The pamphlet. Since before her death, Rachel chose Harvey Dent over Bruce as her lover. All right, insert clip here. Here. I'm sorry. You're sorry. You expect to destroy my world. And then think that we're going to shake hands. No. I know. What this means. What does it mean? It means your hatred, and it also means losing someone that I have cared for since I first heard his cries echo through this house. 
but it might also mean saving your life. And that is more important. Goodbye, Alfred. All right. And yeah, that was just some great acting by Michael Shane. Yeah, I don't have to have any notes for that section. It was just so good. I was so glued to the screen. Looking yeah. at him, seeing him. All right, so the next morning... Bruce learns from Fox that in the course of the robbery, Bane made stock trades to bankrupt Wayne Enterprises. Meaning that made that... it sound like he was watching Fox News. He's like, he learned from Fox about the stock trading. <laughs> he learns like, from yes. Lucius Fox. Ah, yes. Lucius Fox, like News Fox. Fox. Anyway, so America's Wayne Enterprises is, is broke, and they're about to fall into Daggett's hands. That's, that's what the whole, uh, that's what Ben Mendelsohn was trying to do. So, to protect one secret, Bruce and Fox show Miranda the fusion reactor uh, to get her on board with this project. Fox and Miranda intend to use it for generating clean energy for the entire city, although Bruce is afraid that someone could turn the reactor into a nuclear weapon, as Dr. Pavel managed to discover. And none of them know that Dr. Pavel has been kidnapped by uh, Bane. So the reactor is hidden in a chamber underneath the river so that it can be flooded for containment emergencies. And uh, Bruce wants Miranda to become acting CEO of Wayne Enterprises to safeguard the reactor. So I'm not really sure how businesses and all that work. So I, I just want to talk this through with you to make sure I'm understanding everything properly. All right. I'm here. So I'm here. I know that... Uh, I thought Bruce made Lucius Fox CEO at the end of uh, Batman Begins. Yes. So why does Miranda need to be acting CEO? Um, <coughs> uh, I think she has the... Because Bruce lost all of his shares and his influence with Fox. Okay, okay, okay. So, so... That, so... Fox, I thought Fox was the CEO and Bruce was just the owner, but was Bruce the actual CEO then after he bought all the sh- the majority shares? I I think so. Like he like, yeah. I guess that's the only like explanation I can I can give. Yeah, I'm just not understanding the um, the hierarchy of the company. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if and you I know, give us a call face. at eight zero two three five party and explain to me how much of a dumbass I am and how this happens. Cause the way I, I thought Lucius became CEO and Bruce was just the owner and, and uh, Lucius was running it. But then this made it seem like Bruce had become CEO and then Daggett made all those fake phony um, stock trades and he lost all the money. So they were going to, the board was going to kick him off as CEO. So then they made Miranda, acting CEO. That's what this is. Or like. I think like her own like her own enterprises like maybe like kind of Oh uh, like like her company absorbed Wayne Enterprises instead of Daggett's company. Is what I'm assuming, which I think would make like sense. Okay. But like it's kind of weird. Okay. I'll buy still possessive of Wayne Enterprises and all that jazz. So it's just kind of weird that like that unfolds that way. But yeah, yeah, very confusing political, politically like charged plot point. Yeah. 
So if you've got any more information on that, give us a call, 802-35-PARTY, or send us a DM at watchparty underscore pod. And what's our email, Caleb? Uh, email is watchparty.pod18 at gmail.com. Send us an email if you want. Yeehaw. All right, moving along. So Bruce is later booted out of a, a board meeting at Daggett's behest because he's like, he gambled all this money away. Why is he here? Is he still a board member? Blah, blah, blah. Um, he leaves the building. He finds his car being towed, so Blake gives him a ride. And then Daggett is not happy that Miranda Tate was appointed, was appointed to the board when he returns to his apartment. He demands to see Bane. The driver hesitates, but Bane appears. He's like, speak of the devil and he shall appear. Oh, oh. Oh, also, oh. we're just going to glaze over the Blake and Christian Bale car ride home. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... I don't like, remember what they talked about, but I feel like... I they were know. basically just talking about... Like, Blake knows he's Batman, so he yeah. asks him why he wore a mask, and Bruce explains it was to protect the people that he loved, and then Blake's like, but you're an orphan, you didn't have anybody. And then Bruce was like, there's always going to be people you care about. That was pretty much the gist of it. Cool, cool, cool. Which, I guess it's good we talk about it, because Bruce says the same thing to him later as Batman. So he says it to him as Bruce, and then he says it to him later as Batman, that he ne- if he's going to work alone, he needs a mask. Oh, <clears throat> so uh, Bane appears and um, Daggett turns his anger on Bane. And he's like talking all this shit to Bane and Bane don't take no shit. So Bane uh, takes fucking Daggett and chokes him out. And uh, yeah, he's like, I'm in charge. And then Bane goes, do you feel in charge? And he just like simply puts us like a hand on his shoulder. It was right, right. It's just like that that like so much strength in in no strength. Like he just had his hand, the back of his hand on his back. He's like, "Do you feel in charge?" It's like it wasn't even like a threatening position, you know? Yeah, it was just menacing. And the camera angle was like up framed above Bane's head, so, like, you felt, like, the power of Bane's authority, like, visually, too. Yeah, really cool. it was a great scene. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're talking about the construction crews that Bane's had working under the tunnels and all this stuff. And, uh... It's a hard knock life! <laughs> Bane says he's, uh, Gotham's reckoning right before he kills, uh, Ben... Mendelssohn. I came in like a reckoning. And Daggett says he's pure evil, but Bane says he's unnecessary evil. I thought that was another good line. He breaks I'm his neck, sure. and kills him. Then he throws his body in a dumpster. So uh. then Blake shows up at the hospital while Foley and Gordon are talking. And he reports the discovery of Daggett's body in the dumpster, and he shows the files to Gordon and have Daggett's name all over the construction permits for the underground digging across the city, which makes him suspect Daggett was somehow associated with Bane. Good detective work. Foley is still skeptical of Bane's existence, and he calls uh, Blake a hothead again. this guy just kind of seems like a lazy commissioner. Like he just seems like, like he's presented with all this stuff. And then he's just like, ah, you're just a hothead. Get out. It's like, what, do you, what more evidence do you need to like do something? You know what I mean? Truly. You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. But yeah, so 
but then Gordon promotes uh, Blake to detective here. Yeah, what is the chain of command? Well, I've never like Gordon's he just, the commissioner, Gordon. so he can do pretty much whatever he wants. He's like the only one above him is the mayor. I guess, but like he's like it was just like Jim Gordon's nice. He's now the commissioner, and he's like, I like you, kid. You're promoted. Like where this bureaucratic BS. <laughs> God, they just really tear them all down. Bane had it right. Oh, hot take. Alright, so, Bruce finds Selina at her apartment and says his powerful friend needs her help and that he knows about the Clean Slate program and he has it. Selina says she'll think about it, apologizes to, to Bruce about him losing all his money, and he's like... He skills? No, you're not. Great, yeah. great text. So then Bruce gets home, and he finds Miranda there, but Bruce doesn't have any keys to his house, which is locked, so they break in through a window, and the the electricity is off because he can't afford it anymore, and then uh, he's, him and Miranda have sex. Before yeah. that, though, you see a, a picture of fake Rachel, Yeah. and I was, was thinking, this? how funny would it have been if it was a picture of real Rachel? Yeah, right? Imagine. That'd be funny. It's just a picture of both of them together. Oh, that would be even better. So as they sleep together, Miranda talks about how uh, fire made her family feel rich when they were growing up. And then Bruce notices a scar on her, sh- on her shoulder, which she calls a mistake. And when she goes to sleep, Bruce goes down to the bat cave, puts on his bat suit, and goes to meet with Selena, who says that Wayne wasn't lying about his powerful friend. Uh, they take out some mercenaries together, and Batman steps on a catwalk. This great slam shut, and Selina admits that she turned him over to keep Bane's men from killing her. And Batman's like, you made a mistake. Then Bane appears behind him. Yeah, yeah. this scene also opens up with a beautiful shot of Batman on that bridge. Yeah. And like, I can't tell if it's like the morning time or whatever, but like it's just beautiful. And it has like really... Uh... It does. When he's like just standing at the top of that thing, just chilling. Because I think that's like, is that the same bridge where the bat logo appears when he returns? Oh, yeah, I think so, too. I think you're right. Uh, Yeah, because that's just, like, really beautiful. This is a good movie. It is a good movie. So, uh, Bane appears behind him, and Batman's not surprised when Bane reveals that he knows that it's Bruce underneath the mask, and he's not surprised because Bane was also with the League of Shadows. And I guess he assumed maybe, even though he was excommunicated uh, before Bruce's arrival in training, Bane claims that now he is the League of Shadows, and so he must have the information of Bruce's alter ego (gasps) reported to him, probably from one of the League members that survived from the first movie, yeah? Yeah, and this is where um, Anne Hathaway finds out that... that Batman is. It is. And I was a little surprised because I thought she had already kind of figured it out just from. Yeah, like my special friend, like get it together. Like she's not, you know? Yeah. Based on her, like not being a complete idiot, but I guess. Yeah. I guess I was wrong. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. uh, So then Bane says that he is come to Gotham to fulfill Ra's al Ghul's destiny of destroying the city. So then the two get into a big fight and 
Bruce appears to be more aggressive and offensive than he usual than his usual sense, knowing the strength of his opponent. Opponent, and Bane looks like he's just kind of like this is light work for him. Like he doesn't look like he's trying too hard or anything. Yeah, he, he begins to defeat Bruce. He tries those like flashbang things, and Bane is like mocking him. He's like, "Oh yeah, uh, theatricality and deception." He's like, powerful tools for the uninitiated, but uh, we are not uninitiated, are we? I was like, oh my god, this guy is awesome. Yes. (laughs) So then, uh, yeah, so he tries all that stuff, and it's not working, and then Bane beats Bruce into submission, breaking his cowl, like he's just like punching him over and over in the head, and you start to see the cracks. Um, And Bruce is lying prone on the ground, and Bane reveals where he has established his base. He, like, uh, pushes the detonator, and then, like, a tumbler falls through the ceiling. Welcome to my cave. Literally, welcome to my cave. He's like, that's my cave. There you go. Also, there was no sonar, like, tracking the area. (laughs) So he sees he's under the Applied Sciences office, and Bane is Batman's most formidable enemy because he targets Bruce Wayne directly and uses Wayne's resources against the city of Gotham. As the henchmen climb up ropes through applied sciences and take all of like the shit in there, Bruce engages Bane again, but he's beaten down again, and Bane lifts Batman over his head, brings him down brutally on his knee, breaking his back. Just brutal. This yeah, end- Bane has two great lines in here. Yeah? Yeah. The um, what you do not understand, Batman, is you adopted the darkness. I was born in it, molded by it. Insert clip here. Oh, you think darkness is your ally? You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then, it was nothing to me but bright. Very nice. And then he also has the one that I, which I think is a great and like very formidable for this movie, and like in their relationship as a whole, is like I wonder what I would break first, your spirit, and then he breaks him in half and goes, or your body. Because like I don't know, just great, just great movie making right there. It was insert clip. Here. Here. Ah, yes! I was wondering what would break first. Your spirit? Oh, your money! And also, um, that, like, that image of Bane holding Batman over right before he, like, drops him on the knee. It's, like, mm-hmm. taken right from the cover of of a comic book, actually. It's um Bane's first appearance. The story arc is called Nightfall, like K-N-I-G-H-T fall. And then, oh! Uh, I will, I will uh, put a picture of that on the Instagram because I thought it's really, really cool. Yeah, it's dope. Let me see. 1993, I believe, is is when that comic came out. Oh, I see. And but and it says, we rule the night. And then Ben Bane says, I am Bane. Wow, comic book Bane looks very different in the face. Comic book Bane is ripped as sh- Like, he's just huge. 
Yeah, and his mask is very different, which I'm surprised by. But oh, yeah, his, his mask is more of like a luchadora mask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's but funny. that's comic book Bane is... He's Hispanic. I don't know exactly. I can't remember exactly where he's from. I think it might be somewhere in South America. Um, Why don't you look? You look that up for me while I while I continue. Okay. Um. All right. So uh, then uh, he breaks his back. That's where we were. So then Selena is. What's up? So the end of Act One. Yes. Selena is shocked that she just sent Bruce to his doom. She slinks off as mercenaries grab Bruce and drag him away. Then we cut to... Did you find out where Bane was from? Um, No, Bane escapes... Uh, it's definitely somewhere in South America. Because he... It says Bane escapes Peña Duro along with several accomplices based on the Fabulous Five. His minions... <laughs> Gotcha. All right, somewhere in South America. Oh, funny. Maybe we'll we'll figure it out later. All right, so we cut to the next morning, and Blake knocks on Wayne Manor's front door looking for Bruce, but there's nobody there. He goes into the city, and while sitting in his car, he sees Selena getting into a cab. Uh, recognizing her from the shootout at the bar, he tails her to the airport. Noticing the increased police presence, she like ducks off into an off-limits area. An officer goes in there, has to see her boarding pass. She like hands him her hat and then punches the fuck out of him. Nice. And as she's walking down the jet bridge, Blake comes out of the door and he flashes his badge and he takes her. So he's talking to her in the airport office and he's asking her why she's trying to run. And he is able to determine that she's trying to escape from Bane. Selena says she's not sure if Batman is alive given what she saw of his fight with Bane. She is then arrested and placed in Blackgate Prison. Alright, so meanwhile, Bruce wakes up in a foreign prison, still in pain from the fight as he is regaining consciousness. And we get we see Bane like standing over him, and the prison sits at the bottom of a deep circular shaft with only the only way out being the climbing of stone walls. And uh, Bruce asks Bane why he would not just kill him. Bane taunts Bruce that he intends to kill his soul first, making him witness Gotham City's downfall. Then he promises Bruce that he'll live at least long enough to see Gotham destroyed, and that only when he is done and Gotham is ashes does he have Bane's permission to die. Which I via Facebook Live. He's going to die via Facebook. What is this, kick-ass? Yeah, no, he's like, look at this. You... You will watch on this deep pit, which apparently has cable. Yeah, I was wondering that too, like how they got fucking satellite down there. Crazy. <laughs> hey, Caleb. Right. So, this is the prison where Bane says uh, claims to have been born, and it's uh, notorious as a hell on earth from which nobody escapes. However, one of the prisoners tells Bruce that a child managed to escape. And the child was born of a mercenary who fell in love with this warlord's daughter. The mercenary was sentenced to life in the prison, but the daughter made a deal with her father to free him and instead ended up a prisoner there herself. And one day a riot broke out in the prison. She was raped and murdered, but the child escaped. And Bruce concludes that the child must have been Bane. What I will say is this mercenary looks... Like, they did a great job casting. He looks just like a young Liam Neeson, would you Yes, agree? he does. Which is confusing, because then what is Ra's al Ghul? I guess he goes to lose China. 
Yeah, I th- I feel like because at at that point in the, like in the story he's like uh, he works for the warlord, right? So he's uh, this mercenary for this warlord. But I feel like once he uh, leaves the pit, because you know the 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 daughter switches places with him. I think that's when he goes to loose China to found the League of Shadows. Yeah. Um, so I think they start it off in this like Middle Eastern. Uh, uh, country. Then he goes off to to loose China. Okay, because I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, while he's in his cell, Bruce is watching all these prisoners try oh, to escape using a rope to climb up the shaft towards the light. But they fail to clear the final jump onto a ledge required to escape. Instead, falling. And I'm like, this rope. Like, there's no, like, bungee in this. Like, they're just falling and then being tugged by a rope. That would fuck them up, would it not? Oh, ribs would be shattered. Yeah, exactly. But, like, he does it three times. Yeah. With a well, fucked up, with a fucked up back. Yeah. With a fucked up bat. Ha ha ha. Oh, my God. Oh, also, I just looked up what they were chanting. I used to think, because then I got, because I was like, too many things were lining up because, um... You said he's from, <coughs> excuse me, originally from South America. So in, I, the com- I, in the comics, in the comics, not in the Yeah, movie. yeah. But so I thought they were nodding because all I could think of, all I could hear was, pasa, pasa, que, que, pasa, pasa, which means like, what's up in Spanish? So I was like, right. what a weird thing to chant. It's a uh, basada. Yeah, uh, it's like, pasa, pasa, de, che, rasha. Yeah, it's like a Moroccan Arabic meaning to rise, but yeah. I like up until I just googled it, I was like, why are they saying K pasa? Like what does that mean? Why do they like what's up? Weird. That's, that's hilarious to me. All right. Oh, I'm glad you find so, hilarity in my misunderstanding. Moving right along. We're back in Gotham, and Miranda and Fox go to Wayne Enterprises for a board meeting on the reactor project. They uh, enter the boardroom to find Bane and his men holding the board of directors hostage. Bane welcomes Fox, asks him to nominate another board member to come with him. Uh, Fredericks, who's another board member, just volunteers before Fox can nominate anybody. I want some screen time. (laughs) Bane and his men take Fox and Miranda and Fredericks down through the hole in Applied Sciences as he has led along Fox is horrified watching henchmen fixing parts on, on the tumblers. And I assume well, this is where they're adding those, like, extra guns and shit, because, like, Batman's tumbler didn't have the guns that we see on these new tumblers, you know? Yeah, no way. All right. Welcome to my cave. Welcome to my cave. So, Blake is talking with Gordon at the hospital about Batman's disappearance when Foley bursts in and informs him that Bane's, uh, of Bane's latest move, uh, this is the last straw for Gordon. He immediately orders Foley to send every available cop, cop to search the sewers to smoke him out. And uh, on Blake's suggestion, they, they say it's a training exercise so they don't cause any panic. And Foley apologizes to Gordon for not taking him seriously in the parts. And Blake prepares to leave with Foley, but Gordon holds him back and orders him to look up Daggett's leads instead. So Foley oversees the operation from outside a, a tunnel and he watches all the officers go into the, the tunnel, not knowing uh, that it will be a long time before they will see daylight again, because as we know, the tum- tunnels are going to get blasted. It's a tr- 
Insert insert Star Wars clip here. Maybe. Caleb! Here! Insert Star Wars clip here. Okay. It's a trap. It's a trap! Okay, you don't need insert clip. No, I did it instead. Okay. Um, so, Bane and his men lead Miranda, Fox, and all them into the tunnel where Fox and Miranda see Dr. Pavel. They arrive at a dead end where the henchmen plant explosive charges into a wall. Bane gives a nod and they cover their ears and the wall's blasted. Um, the explosion echoes through the underground tunnel network, uh, audible to the cops searching the tunnels elsewhere in the city. Inside the chamber, <sighs> Bane orders Fox to turn the reactor on. Fox refuses, so Bane signals for Basara to hold a pistol to Frederick's head. After Miranda pleads with him to cooperate, she and Fox put their hands on the handprint scanner and turn the reactor on. Bane then orders his men to take the three board members back to the surface. Alright, so Blake's driving around, and uh, he goes to the cement plants on the that he got from the construction sites, and he is talking on his cell phone with Gordon, who tells him to keep looking deeper. He then pulls up a, to a cement plant. The, uh, in the reactor, we cut back to the reactor, Dr. Pavel completes his work converting the reactor into a 4-megaton nuclear bomb. Bane orders his men to remove the reactor's core, which they object to, saying that removing the core will render the bomb unstable and cause it to melt down within five months, um, until Bane threatens to harm Dr. Pavel's family if he doesn't cooperate, so. Woof. Yeah, I know. Rough life. So as he walks through the cement plant, Blake recognizes one of the construction workers, as the truck driver that uh, was blocking the road earlier at the the stock exchange, uh, Blake mentions that he doesn't believe in coincidences, something that he got from Gordon earlier. As a detective. Yeah, exactly. And then the the driver's colleague tries to swing a knife at him. Blake twists the guy's arm and shoots him. Then the driver's got Blake from behind, and they're struggling. Blake fires his gun. A bullet ricochets off the truck and hits him right in the fucking back. It looks like yeah, she was lit. Then Blake's like questioning him, but then he realizes that he just killed the guy. Now I thought that he ricocheted it on purpose, which I was like, "Whoa, hell of a shot!" But Jessica, who is a cop, and I would assume this is some kind of technique that she knows, she says that Blake was probably just trying to like deafen him by shooting the gun by his ear and then didn't realize that the, the, the truck was there and that it ricocheted and hit him because that's why he starts questioning him once he gets off of him because he doesn't realize he's he's dead yet. And then when he realizes that, he, like, tosses his gun away. He's like, oh, my God, I just I just killed him. Yeah, Robin believes in killing people. Right, I don't think he did it Red, on purpose. Red Hood. Yeah, Red Hood. That's a different Robin, though. All right, so um, Blake tosses his gun away, and then when he gets out his cell phone and leaves a message for Gordon, he notices barrels of this, like, polysabutylene or some shit and motor oil, and then he realizes that Daggett's construction crews have been uh, putting C4 charges all around the city when they were working. So he drives away from the cement plant, he gets on his radio, and he warns Foley that the cops are about to head into a trap, Foley immediately yells to the watch commanders with him to start withdrawing the officers under their charge. And then the mayor shows up at this football field for a football game against this football team. 
And... Oh yeah, one thing we didn't discuss is mm-hmm. um, whoever plays the mayor, his uh, super intense like ring around his eyes. His mascara. Uh, yeah, but apparently that's just his eyelashes, and that actor got super bullied as a kid because of the way his eyelashes were so thick and dark. Really? I thought I thought he put on mascara. No. Fun He's, fact from yeah. Jacob. Yeah, so don't bully him. There's no mascara. How could you? <laughs> this is what he fought against. Alright. So, uh... On the mask era. So the mayor says that it's just a training exercise after he's being questioned about all the cops going into the sewers. He's like, just training exercise, and I'm going to go watch the football game. So uh, the cops are searching the tunnels. Bane's men arrive at the uh, stadium. Uh, And then they get in position. We hear the national anthem. Bane says, oh, lovely voice, a really lovely voice, which was... Yeah, uh, I love that. Apparently that was improv by Tom Hardy. That's a lovely, lovely force. Yes. And then, so they got detonators. During the National Anthem, we see the players. And these are basically cameos, because uh, the, the football team here was uh, the the Steelers, Pittsburgh Steelers. So we see, like, oh. we see Heinz Ward and Troy Palmalu and Ben Roethlisberger and shit. That's hilarious. Yep. So then at the... Uh, end of the song we get a kickoff and Bane says let the games begin presses the button and then the field fucking explodes uh so yeah there's no way that pre- like that guy did not hear the the world collapsing behind him he just like I'm just focused on the touchdown like there's no way that's real no he just he thought he tore the fucking field up he turned around he's like holy shit look what I just did I'm so good at football yeah exactly I love all the product placement in this little one. There's Doritos, Xfinity, 84 Lumber. Well, he drives a Ford. Because this takes place at Heinz Field. And so I think... Yeah, that... yeah. Product placement. <laughs> anyway. So a couple of things are happening simultaneously after, as, as this explosion's happening. In the uh, tunnels, the officers stop. They hear booms. And they're trying to register what the noise is. Uh, portions of the ceilings across the sewer and subway system collapsed, trapping them underground. A series of large explosions ripped through, destroying buildings and infrastructure. Bridges leading into the city, uh, except for one bridge, are destroyed by the explosive, trapping the entire population onto the city. Blake is driving down another street, sirens wailing when the street starts to blow up, street lamps, all this shit. We start to see, like, the, the manholes, like, poof, 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 blowing up and all this shit. And all I want to do is poof, 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 and ching and take your money. Anyway. Beautiful. So, once he comes to his senses, Blake gets on the radio with Foley, who confirms Blake's predictions. Every cop is now trapped in the tunnels. But Blake realizes uh-huh. that not every cop is stuck down there, and he 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 realizes that Bane's probably going to try to assassinate Gordon, so he commandeers this car from some guy, and he rushes to the hospital. Uh, and and two of Bane's men get men get there before he does, looking for Gordon. They fire short bursts with their machine guns as they enter the lobby, causing everybody to take cover. They search the hospital. Gordon is alerted of their presence. The power goes out and switches into emergency lighting. He climbs out of bed. Outside, we see Blake screech up to the hospital. He's running through. He breaks into Gordon's room, 
And we get that line from Gordon. He's like, clear the corners, rookie. And uh, we see that Gordon is a badass and is taking out the two henchmen. So, Fuck yeah. Yeah. So, going back to uh, to, to Heinz Field after the explosion. To Heinz Ward. Uh, the Heinz Ward. Uh, after the explosion, Bane comes out with uh, Dr. Pavel and everything, and he gives this speech about... Um, Oh, first he blows up the fucking... He blows up the mayor. He blows him up? He blows up the mayor? Yeah. Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yeah. I take the crowd Um, hostage. I also noticed that um, the microphone, the headset he takes the microphone from, Mm -hmm. is because you know how in football there's that one ref that has BJ on the back? Yeah, backdrench. Yep. So he takes it from the BJ. I just think that's so funny. Oh, are you making a blowjob joke here? Well, yeah, but like he takes the microphone from the BJ ref. I just think that's of all the referees, that's amazing. I'm glad you got a kick out of that. He's like, you know what? This movie needs more dick jokes, more blowjob jokes. All right. So (laughs) Bang comes out of the field. And he tells the crowd that he's here to liberate Gotham. He shows them the fusion reactor core, calling it the instrument of their liberation. And then he starts to talk to Dr. Pavel in front of the crowd. And he has Dr. Pavel admit that he's a nuclear physicist and that he this is the bomb and that he's the only person who knows how to disarm the bomb. Bane thanks him and then breaks his neck. And then Bane also reveals that he has left one citizen in charge of the detonator who will trigger the bomb in case of any sort of civil civil rebellion. And he also threatens the government forces that should anybody try to enter or leave the city, he will detonate the nuclear weapon, thus forcing the government forces to guard the city and stop anybody from leaving. But my question, I'm like, all right, so nobody, I understand that nobody, I guess, can get on or off the island, but the assumption that Dr. Pavel is the only nuclear physicist that knows how to disarm this bomb, like, wouldn't other nuclear physicists know how to? Not in Gotham. I guess not. I, that was just a weird thing for me, for, for like, for me to, like, uh, come to terms with. He's like, yeah, well, nobody I guess, can like, disarm the, this the bomb The people but who me. invented it. I guess. but I, Like, the people who made it, you know, for Wayne Enterprises. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure his research is out somewhere, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for real. It was just yeah, weird. Plus they, they figure out a way to stunt the signal somehow, too. So. Yeah. All right, so the that bridge that I mentioned earlier was left intact to provide food and supplies to Gotham City citizens. So Blake drives to his apartment. What? I just said citizens. Oh. Blake drives to his apartment with Gordon... Gordon says he has uh, to get in front of the camera, but Blake's like, nah, fuck all that. Uh, Bane will try to shoot you if you show your face. He just tried to murder you. Remember that? So then the next day, Bane goes to Blackgate Prison, and he uh, basically reads the speech that uh, Gordon that he got from Gordon's uh, jacket pocket, revealing the truth about Harvey Dent. And he declares that the prisoners are free, as the man who drew up the Dent Act himself was a murderer and a madman. He also declares martial law and the, all the fucking 
prisoners get broken out and they start like forcing all the like rich people out of their homes and shit. Yeah. Did you notice that the keys were in the door at the prison? Like the no, keys I didn't. chilling in the door. And I'm just like, well, all right. Also, it's been like three hours and people are like, yeah, let the criminals out because they're poor like us. Like, what? A, where's the logic in that? Okay, so all this time, Bruce has been holed up in the prison and he's watching the havoc on this broke-ass TV in the prison and the doctor crudely fixes his back. He, like, ties him to a rope and just has him hanging <laughs> there. Um, like, problem solved. Yeah, he says the fight partially dislocated his vertebrae and the doctor just, like, punches it back in there. I was like, holy shit. Uh, this doctor is no fucking joke. Yeah, for real. Um, he tells Bruce to remain in that position until he can stand by himself. And then, so he's enduring this pain, and then he hallucinates Ra's al Ghul. We see Liam Neeson again. Uh, hey. Who pro- he pro- proclaims his immortality here. And as the days wear on in the prison, Bruce's anger builds, and he's determined to save Gotham. He starts, like, training, doing all these push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, all that shit. And he attempts to uh, to make the escape with the rope, but uh, he falls. Drats. With a broken back. So close. Yeah, right? Crazy. I don't know how, like, the passage of time is just unreal in this movie. Yeah, really. like, there's just no linear concept of it. All right, so like 84 days into the siege, the army slips in some intelligence team uh, disguised as relief workers. They're under the command of Captain Mark Jones. Uh, They meet with Gordon, Blake, and all that crew, and they uh, come up with this plan uh, for getting the cops out of the tunnel. Uh, Soldiers, Blake, and the surviving cops begin tracking uh, three military trucks, one of which carries the nuclear weapon, they can't tell which one has the bomb because they all have uh, lead-lined roofs. So, like, when the military does, like, flybys and scans and shit, they don't know which one's in there. Uh, to avoid detection of the weapon, the three trucks are being driven around the city continuously, so you don't know, like, which... It's kind of like when the president f- drives in the motorcade, you don't know which limo has the president, so... That's funny. I was just going to say that, too. Oh, yeah. Same page. So... Blake takes Jones and his men into Wayne Enterprises' office that Fox and Miranda are sheltered in. Uh, Miranda takes uh, responsibility for the creation of the reactor, uh, which the bomb was molded from. And Fox explains that the reactor's cells deteriorate. The uh, reactor will become very unstable. And regardless of what happens, the bomb will go off in three weeks. So it's basically a time bomb. Even if nobody pushes the button, it's still going to go boom. (sighs) Fox says that if he could reconnect the core to the reactor, it'll restabilize it. And then Blake prepares to leave with Jones, but Jones orders him to stay with Fox and Miranda while he goes to call in a report. Unfortunately, someone has betrayed the team, who we learned later was probably Miranda, a.k.a. <gasps> but just as they're leaving the hideout, a group of Vane's henchmen, henchmen ambush them, open fire... Blake and Miranda quickly escape by slipping out a back door while Fox is captured by a henchman. Jones's team draws their weapons, but it's they're no match and they're all dead. And 
Jones breaks uh, cover and tries to flee. He's shot in the chest and falls, and he's lying on the ground. Bane comes over, and he said, uh, Jones says he'll die before he talks, and Bane's like, well, I'm on your schedule, Captain, and he's, like, crushing his neck, and uh, Bane orders his men to run. Yeah, dude, this guy's a giant neck. Yeah. Uh, this huge. Bane orders his men to round up Fox and the others for judgment to hang this and to hang the soldiers' bodies from one of the bridges as a message to the world. Hell yeah. So after the second attempt, Bruce questions how a child could have escaped, but he could not. And the doctor explains that while paradoxically it seems that having no fear of death should enhance his escape, uh, chances is escape chances in reality the human trait of fearing death is a necessity is a necessary ingredient uh there are suggestions that bruce in his grief over rachel's death physical disability eight-year retirement from batman and isolation is injured um is injured in inured not injured inured to mortality um he seems to have a death wish that's like what alfred pointed up uh, and he tried to rem- remedy earlier with the shock of his leaving Bruce and Bruce solves the d- dilemma in replying that he fears dying in prison when the people of Gotham can only be saved by him if he were to escape he realizes that sh- the child had escaped without the safety rope and chooses not to use the rope in his third attempt Bruce reveals oh, yeah. His- yeah Bruce reveals his confidence by packing supplies for himself in a bag he begins to climb to the Arabic chants of Deshi, Deshi, Basara, Basara, meaning rise, which we uh, pointed out earlier. When he reaches the pivotal point requiring the jump, a stream of bats flows from a tunnel inside the cave and startles <sighs> him, but increase his confidence. Bruce takes the jump and latches onto a protruding rock and succeeds in his final attempt. He subsequently throws down a rope from the top, allowing all the current prisoners to escape as well. Now Hell yeah. I- I just had a couple notes here. Um, we we get that nice "Why do we fall?" callback from the first movie. This is where we see that flashback of his dad coming coming down the yeah the well, and then uh, we we learned then that that's when uh, his fear of bats began, and this whole time the the doctor's been telling him like he has to have fear to be able to make that that jump, and I thought it was kind of cool how as he's like gaining this fear back the bats come out of that hole which was like his original fear so it's like the bats come out he got the fear from the bats you know what i'm what i'm like trying to say yeah it's like fear pain and chaos all meeting in this one moment yeah all three uh themes from all three movies yeah also the little girl or person who makes the jump um, is Joey King from, uh, she, I thought it was 11 from, uh, Stranger Things. That would have been way too young for that. Yeah, but it's Joey King from, uh, she's on the, the, the act. The Hulu show have, right now. I've never watched it, but I have a, uh, a friend who's been on a couple episodes. Shout out to Bruno Rose, so. Bruno Mars? <laughs> no. And she's anyway. also in The Conjuring and stuff. Oh, The Conjuring. All right. So, moving on, we see the criminals holding a kangaroo court presided over by Dr. Jonathan Crane, and he offers them a choice, exile or death. Striver chooses exile because he's the one on trial at this point. 
And we learn exile means being forced to walk on this frozen river underneath a bridge where the ice cracks and drowns anyone making the crossing, which happens to... Exile! Exactly. All right, so Bruce returns to Gotham as Batman. He manages to gain uh, trust from Selina Kyle. Um, He's offered her the Clean Slate program. He asks her to help him get to Lucius Fox, and she accepts. Um, But I know this question always comes up. How did Bruce get from the Middle East to back to Gotham with no resources? He walked. Okay. Problem solved. I also wonder how he pays for all that shit at the end with no resources. He's just in Florence, no money. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Well, I mean, he's with Selena, so maybe she, like, had some, some loot stashed away. Oh, that's true, that's true, that's true. But, yeah, that's a good question. How does he get back? Um, He calls up Lucius and is like, help, please. All right, that's how he does it, guys. You heard it here. Watch party. You heard it here first. <laughs> Watch party. All right, so Gordon is approached by Miranda, asking to help. He accepts her offer. They find the truck carrying the bomb and mark it, and a group of mercenaries round them up and arrest them on the people of Gotham's authority. And we see Crane holding his court again, and he asks Gordon, death or exile? Gordon says death, to which we get this great line. He says, fine, death. By exile. I love so it. So lame. It was I liked it. Whatever. Um Yeah. But so I just want to circle back to this real quick. So Gordon gives her that little the little meter and he's like, if it spikes above two hundred or something, that means the bomb's in there. Give us the signal and we'll mark it. And we know that she's actually the bad guy. So she gave him the signal on an empty truck. But even on my first watch through, I didn't connect. I don't think I connected that. I was like, whoa, why is that truck empty? You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's interesting. Very clever. Very clever. Like, I think I think that e- that he even opens it on after the reveal that she's bad. But I still just didn't connect it somehow that she nodded on the on the, the wrong truck. Yeah, that's dope as hell. Anyway, uh, Bruce gets to Miranda and Fox by letting Bane's men capture him because uh, f- he needs his suit, which Lucius has access to. To escape, Selena comes in and helps and says that the Bane wants them, and then she knocks out the mercenaries, undoes the handcuffs, and then Fox is like, he's found a nice girlfriend, and then Selena says he should be so lucky. She's so sassy. I love it. Love it. And then we go back to the Bat Cave that's from The Dark Knight. I guess it's more like the Bat Apartment because it's like yeah, not the full cave, but it's the same one we got from The Dark Knight where he, he's got his spare suit. So Fox takes him there. He gets his, his spare suit, and uh, then he comes back to save Gordon, who uh, is walking on that ice. Uh, he has Gordon light a flare and fucking shoot this big ass bat symbol in flames on a on a bridge so that everybody can see that he's back hell yeah Bane sees it and he's like oh shit yeah there you go he says impossible oh fuck (laughs) Uh, he says to keep Miranda close because he'll come for her 
and Fox reveals that the trigger, the trigger or no trigger, the device is going to blow up the next day, like time's running out. And he takes a signal jammer from the bat, which can block the signals from the trigger. They just got to get it like on the trucks. So with Blake's help, Batman frees the police trapped in the sewers by using the bat to like blow up the debris in the tunnels and Blake rescues, uh, he rescues Blake after, um, He's captured trying to rescue the cops on his own. And that's where he gives the line, um, if you're going to work alone, you need to wear a mask. If you're going to work alone, you need to wear a mask. Perfect. All right, so Selena says she'll help open this tunnel, but after that she's leaving. Also, whenever you call her Selena, I can only picture a Latinx pop star, Selena. Oh, R.I.P. Indeed. Gone right, too so, soon. Yes. All right, so uh, Catwoman, I'll call her Catwoman, says... <laughs> even better. Even better? Now all I can picture is Eartha Kitt. Jesus Christ, shut up. Uh, <laughs> Selena Kyle says she'll help open a tunnel, but after that she's leaving, and she begs Bruce to come with her, saying that he doesn't owe these people anything, and he's given them everything, and he says, Not everything. Not yet. Not his life. Pretty much. Then the next morning, we see like all these police forces led by Foley, a symbol on uh, Wall Street, uh, facing against Bane's army of like criminals and shit. And uh, one of Bane's men gets the megaphone and tells him to disperse. And Foley's like, "There's only one police in this town." And Bane's like, "All right, shoot him, do whatever." But then uh, Batman comes through on the bat and he like yeah, fucks he up those tumblers and then welcome to my cave welcome to my cave and then everybody just rushes at each other we get this big fight yeah shit's dope yeah so Batman and Bane start fighting each other Batman's having more success this time um yeah I, I will say I like seeing Batman during the daytime for some reason I don't know probably yeah it's really like, pretty the fight scene like yeah. the snow and the sunlight probably because I can see all the details of the costume as well. Like when it's at night, it's dark. The, the, the suit is dark, so it's hard to see. But during the yeah. day, I, I don't know. It looked it looked really cool, I thought. For real. And this is also the only scene. There's like an iconic like post about this scene. Have you ever seen it? Which one? Um, it's about like, um, so they were talking about how uh, it was an interview with Tom Hardy, and he was talking about how throughout the entire filming, like he was tired, but like Christian Bale never showed that he was like breaking or he was ever tired. And there was just during this one fight scene that they filmed on wall street that they like someone yelled cut or whatever. And like Christian Bale turns to Tom Hardy. He's like, I'm exhausted, man. And then Tom Hardy goes, me too. And then like they hug it out. And like, it's the, like the only time that Tom Hardy like talks about seeing Christian Bale, like Bale, like be tired from all these three movies from the entire uh, filming so far, so yeah, it's just like a nice moment they shared during That's the filming of this. That's awesome. Yeah, you I never. Not, uh, I had not heard that. Oh yeah, it's dope. I like I like to see that they're they're people too, you know. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Batman and Bane start fighting. I already said that. Um, and Batman starts punching Bane's mask. He just attaches some of the tubes that. Uh, the anesthetic that that uh, is keeping the pain at bay for Bane. Tubular. 
And so Bane gets angry by this, and you just see him just, like, go into this fury. It's, like, ridiculous how fast. Because he's so big, but then he's, like, got the speed, too. Like, speed, ferocity, like, all of it. It's great. He, like, starts punching that, like, pillar, that cement pillar, and he fucks it up. Yeah. It's crazy. But Batman, of course, gets the upper hand, and he kicks him through this door, and uh, he, Bane's pretty much, like, fucked up. And then uh, Batman goes over to him, and he's like, Where's the trigger? Where is it? Blah, blah. It's very reminiscent of uh, The Dark Knight. Where is she? Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Where? Where is it? What's yeah. in the box? It's It's literally, like, the same tone and everything. So, Bane asks him how he escaped and came back, stating that he, uh, he's like, I broke you. And then uh, he's, like, just, like, baffled. He's not telling him where the trigger. And then Batman's like, tell me where the trigger is, then you have my permission to die, which, like, echoes what Bane said to him when he uh, locked him in that prison. Yeah. So after, Batman tells Bane that he's not the only person who can escape from that prison, and then Miranda suddenly stabs Batman in the side in a soft spot in the suit with her dagger sliding dangerously between his ribs. We're like, what the fuck? Which is also like a throwback to uh, Dark Knight when he's talking about you may be more susceptible to knife. Exactly, yeah. I had the same thought when I saw it. Um, so then it's revealed that Miranda is actually Talia, and that uh, she was the child who escaped from the prison, not Bane. Bane was her protector. And then uh, during the prison riot that claimed her mother's life, Bane helped her escape. But in the process, he was hurt. The prison doctor attempted to repair the damage, but his methods resulted in Bane needing those anesthetics to constantly keep the pain at bay. And then she says, like, when she escaped, she tracked down her father, Ra's al Ghul. She convinced her father to rescue Bane, and, and then... Uh, her father trained both of them with the League of Shadows. So, yeah, so we see, like, um, about your question earlier. Um, I guess the League has started at this point. Like, I'm, I'm curious how many years... Well, I guess because the child was born in the prison, and she she looked to be about probably, like, 10 or 12 like, when she escaped, yeah? You think? I'm sorry? I said... She was born in the prison, and she looked about 10 or 12 when she escaped, wouldn't you say? Or she looked just like 11. Ha 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 Yeah. Anyway, my point is, like, that's a lot of time um, that Roz could have gone and, and started the league. The league? The TV show? Jesus Christ, Jacob. Anyway. Um... So yeah, so she convinced Ra's al Ghul to go and, and rescue him. They started training with the League of Shadows, but uh, the in, the injuries inflicted on Bane's face became a, remin, a reminder to Ra's of the suffering endured by uh, the love of his life in the pit, and so that's why Bane was excommunicated from the group. And then she said, and then Talia's intention is to take revenge on Batman for killing her father, as well as finishing the mission of uh, destroying Gotham. Uh, she said that's how she's going to honor her father. So she hits the trigger of the nuclear weapon, but Gordon has managed to fit the signal jammer onto the weapon just in time. But Talia's like, whatever. Gordon bought 11 minutes for the city because, as we know, the the uh, 
the core is decaying and it's going to blow up anyway. So, yeah. Talia says her goodbyes to uh, Bane and, and Batman, and she tells Bane not to kill him, that he she wants him to fill the, the sun of a thousand souls that he couldn't save or some shit. She just really wants him to suffer. So uh, poetical. Right. So then Bane, but, but Bane's like, you, you know I have to kill you, right? I know she told me not to, but I'm going to have to. Um, I will, you'll feel the sting anyway. Something like that. So, yeah, Bane is like, uh, you know I have to kill you, right? Even even though she told me not to. But um, I wanted to point out, like, before when she's saying, like, her goodbyes to him or whatever, he looks like deeply hurt that she's leaving him to die in that explosion as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's like a romantic, I thought there was like something like something romantic between them or like something that was mentioned. I can't find the detail exactly, but he's like, he, that's a little weird considering he, he was like an adult when she was born. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but like they were talking about like, he was like something about love and that's why he disowned him or something. But then she goes, goodbye, friend. And I was like, dang, that's cold as shit. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also like, because you've seen Bane do that to his, like, underlings before. Like, whatever. Like, the guy on the plane. Someone needs to like, die, brother. Exactly. Oh, interesting. You, I didn't make that connection. Yeah, you've seen him sacrifice all these people, and he's like, whatever. But then when it's, like, his turn, he's like, oh, fuck. And I can't help but think, like, if he would have killed Bruce, he would have, like, tried to escape. He wouldn't have, like, just stayed there and died, you know? Yeah, for real. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. But, uh, so yeah, he's like, you know I have to kill you. But then Selena, Kyle comes in on the bat pod, blasts the fuck out of Bane, and she's like, yeah, about that whole no guns thing. I don't think I have the same feelings as you or something like that. Some some little cheeky line. It was, it was, it was cool. Right. So then Talia, she's in, in one of these uh, tumblers trying to go. Welcome to my cave. Welcome to my cave. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. That was the most upset, like, oh, my fucking God. Welcome to my cave yet. <laughs> Uh, she takes control of the truck carrying the weapon, but her escorts are finished off in a prolonged chase sequence. Uh, Selena's riding on the bat pod. Batman's in the bat in the air. We got ground. We got air support. We got all kinds of shit. And they're like trying to take down the convoy. Talia's truck goes off the road and crashes, and she's fatally wounded. In her last moments, she explains how she has access to the reactor's chamber, and that she set a timer to flood it so that the the weapon couldn't re- be returned there. And so she dies, believing that she like completed her father's work and avenged his death. She thinks like there's no way they can stop this. Uh, um, yeah, she does. That's crazy. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I'm, I I win. I'm dying, but I win. Um, so Fox escapes the flooding chamber and realizes there's no way to stabilize this weapon and it can't be deactivated and it's going to detonate in less than two minutes. And then Batman's like, well, the bat has no autopilot, but I'll fly the, the, the thing out of Gotham. And so Selena's like upset about this, but then she kisses him and then Batman reveals his true identity to Gordon 
when he tells him that quote about the uh, the young boy. Insert clip here. I never cared who you were. And you were right. But shouldn't the people know the hero who saved them? A hero can be anyone, even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders to let him know the world hadn't ended. So that happens, and then uh, Batman flies off into uh, the sunset, I guess. Yeah. And uh, with uh, he, he's gonna fly it out over the bay. Um, there's been this whole subplot with Blake trying to rescue the kids from the orphanage that I didn't think was important enough to include. So I'll just like skim over it right now. Yeah. Uh, he, he tries to save the kids from the orphanage. He tries to get them across the bridge. The police guy guarding the, the bridge blows the bridge because he doesn't want them to cross because then the bomb will explode. Yada, yada, yada. So there's that. It was just, I think it was just to give Blake something to do. Cause yeah, it's truly like his plot had ended. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, and you I never Batman. connected the um the autopilot thing. I was like, oh, just it doesn't have autopilot. Okay, but I never right. connected. He could like it could have just flown out by himself. That's really clever. Yeah. Um. So, you'll see as he's making his escape, he causes this explosion, which I think is used to cover his ejection from the bat and the autopilot turning on like the kids see the explosion and, and Blake is like, all right, here it comes. And they're like, no, 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 that's Batman. And then you see the bat flying out over the bay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So he, uh, but I think he could fix the autopilot. He did fix the autopilot. That's dope. I never connected the two. Yeah. So the, I think that explosion was, uh, what covered his ejection from the bat. Interesting. Um, yep, so so the bat flies out over the bay, and then the bomb explodes. Boom. Boom. So then, in the aftermath, the police capture all of the released prisoners. There's a private funeral held by everybody who knows Batman's true I- identity. Excuse me. Uh, there's a private funeral held by uh, everybody who knows Batman's true identity. Uh, uh, Alfred... Commissioner Gordon, Blake, and Lucius. Um, Alfred is crying, and he he's talking to Bruce's parents, who are buried right next to him, and he's talking about how he failed them, oh, failed let them you. down. Yeah, it's it's very hard. It's gut wrenching. Yeah, truly. Uh, Blake resigns from the police force. He's like disillusioned by the the whole thing. It seems like um, he's talking about how Gotham will never really know who saved. him who saved them and Gordon's like yeah they will it was the Batman who saved them and then we see the statue being erected in, in Batman's memory <laughs> uh, is that funny? erected oh Jesus Christ <laughs> in the aftermath of Bruce Wayne's death holy cow <clears throat> in the aftermath of Bruce Wayne's death certain provisions are made <clears throat> hold on shut up <clears throat> <clears throat> see how annoying that some- is <clears throat> My throat is really dry. I've been doing a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so uh, we're, we're at the uh, the fucking reading of the will and all that shit. But uh, Bruce, as we know, had gone broke towards the end because of Ben Mendelsohn's little plot. And so the estate, the majority of the state is sold with the money given to Alfred, like whatever's left to pay off the debts is given to Alfred. Uh, Wayne Manor is given to the city of Gotham as a place for the orphaned boys to stay. Um, but he says that like it can't be torn down. It can't be like remodeled. It has to say exactly how it is. And we know that's because the Batcave there. Oh, I didn't even put that together. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's because the Batcave's there and he gives Blake the the coordinates to get to the Batcave, so. Oh, yes. You mean Robin? Yeah. Here's your real name. Shut up. <laughs> um, the the guy who's going over the estate and all that, he, he talks about how there's a string of pearls that can't be located, who we see on Selena in just a few minutes. Um, but Blake is given the duffel bag, as we said, uh, he presents his ID and he, she, his real name is Robin. I thought that was just kind of like a little shoehorned in, like it wasn't necessary. Yeah, for real. It was, it was just kind of like a wink, wink, nod, nod, nudge, nudge, whatever, you know. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. If anyone so is, back- uh, currently spying on me, I'm trying to, uh, wink and nod simultaneously and I look ridiculous. Well, you look ridiculous either way. So. Wow. Hey, Batman. So we're back at Applied Scientist. Lucius has like these workers going over the the, the bat, and uh, he wants to know if there's anything he could have done to like get the autopilot working or whatever. And the workers are like, oh, the autopilot, it was already patched six months ago. And he's like, what, what's the ID on the patch? And they're like, Bruce Wayne. And then, you know, Lucius gives a little knowing smile. Then, uh, up on the roof, Gordon finds that the the once broken bat signal is now repaired, and he, he smiles. And then, like I said, Blake, he finds the duffel bag. He's got the GPS and the coordinates, and he spelunks into the waterfall, finds the bat cave, makes his way over there and into the cave, and we see all these bats flying around him. Nice use of and, spelunking. Uh, it's this light that he's using is actually the first the the same light that uh, Bruce used in the first movie. Uh, when he spelunked. Yeah. Nice. Okay, and then we cut to Florence, <laughs> Italy, where Alfred has returned to the restaurant that he had visited during Bruce's absences long ago. He scans the table. He sees Bruce and Selena, and uh, they smile at each other. Well, Bruce and Alfred do. do. Selena doesn't really notice. Um, Classic. And, Alfred is like assured they're like it's like a mutual understanding of each other you know what I mean and so after Bruce had attached the bomb to the bat and taken off he ejected with the escape pod to distance himself from the explosion and allowed the autopilot to continue to transport the bomb Uh, there's a shot of Batman in a flying vehicle with a timer of five seconds leading some viewers to believe the explosion killed him but Batman was not in the bat carrying the bomb and was not within the blast radius of the bomb this is for all those people there's there's a group of people who think this whole uh, seeing Bruce is imagined by Alfred but I, like the the movie gives you so much evidence that 
that Bruce is actually still alive. Like we see the autopilot was fixed six months ago. We see like when he ejects him, ejects himself or where I think he ejects him. Like there's this relief on, on his face. Like, you know what I mean? Like, ah, okay. I mean, some people take that as him, like, um, coming to terms with he's about to die. But I, I read it as like, you know, he's like, he's in his escape pod. He's like, okay, I'm free. Like I've done everything I need to do. Yeah. So there's that shots of him like set, like when, on when he gets like really out to a sea of him inside the, the bat. Yeah, exactly. And so, so we got that, we got that, we got the, the pearls evidence, we, you know what I mean? There's just so much evidence that like he's still alive and that this isn't a, a hallucination, but some people still like to believe that Alfred hallucinated this, um, this Bruce. Yeah. But, so, uh, if you, if you think that give us a call at, uh, 860-420-PARTY. No, 802-35-PARTY. That one. All right, so last scene. We see uh, in the final shot, Blake walks over the pool of water, and as he does, this his movement activates this flooring containing the bat suit and everything, and it it starts to rise, and we get the new Dark Knight Rises, yeah? He is risen. Happy Easter, everybody. And other holidays. And other holidays. All the holidays, happy, happy. But he is risen. But that's the Dark Knight Rises, Ooh. and the the conclusion of uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Wow, what a marathon! Yes, what did you uh, what did you think overall of the movie? Uh, well, it's definitely the best one. Uh, they get increasingly better. I'd say Dark Knight has the best performance. Like the that Joker, you can't beat it. It's like indescribable how good it is but i feel like overall dialogue action cinematic experience um how it ties the whole trilogy together i think just uh it's the best of the three and i'm really glad that it concluded on such a such gravitas such a high note so props to you chris nolan score it one out of ten uh what i say for dark knight seven you know i don't remember uh, I want to say ten. Um, I'd give it a. It's good. It's just if... not a ten. It's not like because ten is like the perfect movie. You know, it's like like the Godfather, Citizen Kane type movies. Right. This is a good movie. I'd say. Um, it's gonna be like the. The eight point five six seven nine. I give it a uh, an eight. Jacob gives it an eight. I think I'm gonna go with uh, nine point two. Um, oh no, Caleb! Oh well, you know what? Mine's a eight and fifteen seventeenths. So. Uh... Wow. Okay. All right. Rank rank the three from least favorite to favorite. I'm not gonna say worst to because they're all good, but least favorite. Uh, Batman Begins is not good. <laughs> okay. Um. So, uh, best Batman Begins, just the perfect origin story. Um. Worst, uh, Dark Knight, terrible. The Joker, oh, garbage. Um. And then, 
No, I'm just kidding. Uh, worst Batman begins in the order they are, in the order they're created, is how I rank them. Highest, a lowest, mm-hmm. to highest. Okay, very nice. I would. I think I might agree with you. Yeah. All right. Way to end the trilogy on a good note. Yeah. Do you have any any final final things you wanted to add? Uh, no. Should we tell the people our next trilogy? I was just thinking about that. All Why right. You you can do the honors. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be doing. Are you going to say it? Back to the future. Yeah, the Back to the Future trilogy will be next. We do not know who our trilogy-long guest will be at this moment in time, but we will discuss and let you know later. Hell yeah. Do you have any final words, Jacob? Um... What you do not understand, Batman, is you adopted the darkness. I was born in it, molded by it. Michael Caine. Yes, <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Uh, I'm Caleb. That's been Jacob. This has been Watch Party. We want to thank you for joining us on this on this first trilogy journey, as we were learning learning the the podcasting ropes getting our bearings we've been we've been finagling with with stuff throughout i've i've tried different techniques i think my uh my technique for this synopsis thing is going to be tweaked a, a little bit more maybe to get it a little bit more concise um, what do you mean so this has we... been our shortest podcast yet we get... but this is also a long ass movie it is it's like 2 hours and 44 minutes or something like that yeah crazy um just wait till we do the Lord of the Rings. Oh, um, Jesus. The extended editions. Director's cut. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, if you have any suggestions for us or, or any takes, any comments, any questions, like literally anything you want to say, give us a call at 802-35-PARTY. Leave a voicemail. Uh, you can send an email, watchparty.pod18 at gmail.com. Or you can send us a DM on Instagram at watchparty underscore pod. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We can't wait to uh, to start this new trilogy, Back to the Future. And uh, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you later. Movies.